spatula. Okay, kids, let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Don't forget, they make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? Spatula City! Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? Spatula City, we sell spatulas. And that's all. Next week on U62. He's back. And this time, he's mad. Gandhi 2. No more Mr. Passive Resistance. He's out to kick some butt. This is one bad mother you don't want to mess with. He's a one-man wrecking crew. But he also knows how to party. There is only one law. Kid's law. Gandhi 2. Five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM Land 70, the talker. This, my friends, my companions, my amigos, my compadres, my fellow travelers on the road of amusement and whimsy. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. It is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, musings, recipes, whatever it is that might be rolling around in the pan of your brain. It is uh, 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. Ah! Before we do anything else, I'd like to thank Matt Green, engineer extraordinaire, for coming in and fixing this light bulb. So He was right on it. I'm just like, please, Matt, I'm going to have to hear about this all day. You don't fix that damn light bulb. Here's something that everybody out there will already sort of anticipate, but... 
I'm assuming you always hear, you always, you always enjoy hearing elaborations on my craziness. So you know, I deal poorly with change. So this is pretty much. Week going for you. It's the best week ever, Sarah. Uh, whenever anything. I mean, it was somebody takes vacation. I mean, if somebody's gone for an hour during the middle of the day because they got to get their wisdom teeth yanked out, it just I deal badly with it. So, so this is a bit of a challenging week for everybody. So, came into the studio this morning and you know, hi Sarah, how are you? Fine, Rick, how are you? I'm great. Uh, and then we sort of uh, just move around the studio and you know in a very polite silence. But then I notice that the studio is even blacker, and I don't mean figuratively blacker. I mean like actually blacker and darker and bleaker and dimmer today than it normally is. And it's not like the studio is brightly lit under the best of circumstances. I would say that it's sort of like this really dusty, unkempt Charlie Rose set in here. We're like in a cave, basically. Yeah, but there's really just these, tor- these four tiny uh, track lights lurking in the ceiling. And that's what we have to illuminate the entire studio. four lights in here, there's you're right. Four lights. And, and they're got, small. I mean, you know, and relative to, to radio and how things typically work, we have a pretty large studio. So we got these four lights that are pointed directly at the middle of the room, which is where all the equipment is. And it's like if you step out to the side, it's just like you're just hip deep in dark. So I came in today, and I swear to you this is true. And I can vouch for you. The light over Tim Riley's chair had gone out. It was just like the greatest, saddest thing ever. I walked in and I said, the studio seems kind of dark. Where? Ah. And I looked over in the track light that normally that beams down right onto Tim's microphone. It illuminates, the light is directly over where, you know, where Tim's place was, and it, it is directly over his chair, his microphone, and his computer, and it would just sort of bathe the whole area in this warm glow of light, a glow that was extinguished. Mm. And so I came for the day, and so the, the, but the lights everywhere else were working fine, just directly over Tim's workspace, gone, out. Anyway, so I told Terry, I said, look, uh, we get this fixed. And I went and Matt, the engineer, his office was closed, dark locked. And then, of course, and let me just say, this week, anytime you go to somebody's office and you look in and the light is off and the door doesn't want to open, it's all kinds of things go through your mind. And then you start hearing, you start listening for the sounds of packing tape and weeping. Uh, I think Matt, well, I think he actually did come in, though, because the light has been fixed. So thank you, Matt. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, he's walking today. around in a pink sweatshirt today, too. Is it, you know, I think, um, look, I don't mean to sound alarmist. I think everyone here is going mad. So mm-hmm. that's just my speculation. <laughs> I don't really know for sure. Uh, Rick Emerson is not a doctor, but I think everybody here is going just a wee bit crazy this week. All right. Well, in any event, uh, it is 503-733-2970. You want to uh, join us today? 503-733-2970 with your comments, questions, and all of that. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Well, we should say first and foremost, <laughs> before we talk about any of the CNN stuff, uh, before we talk about any of the other guests, before we talk about uh, we'll do a top five today, i got all that to get to. I put a big uh, blog posting up about this last night, I don't know, around 10.30, 10.45, so you may or may not have seen this. It's uh, it's the most recent posting at rickemerson.com, and then it's also up on my, uh, my space page. Uh, it's, it's the whole post about how we're handling the news going forward, because we can't, I think as I said, you know, it's like, you know, the, the clergymen and Floridians and whatever, they're all going to continue to be lunatics, and so we can't not talk about that. I mean, the people deserve to know. By the same token, you know, we got to kind of figure out a different way to progress. So we started this yesterday with our good friend Byron Beck, who I think we really have to take one more moment to give it up to Byron, who's just playing through just the, I think, the most abject case of just nerve-wracking apprehension I've ever seen in anybody. He did a great job. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's not just, uh, being on the radio is fundamentally weird anyway. 
I mean, it's just a kind of an unnatural thing where you're sitting. I mean, we've talked about this before. You're sitting behind a microphone talking to, you know, X thousand, 10,000, however many thousand people. You know, but then you're also kind of pretending that you're just talking to the people in the room. But then you're also kind of got to be aware that you're talking to lots of people. But you got to not think about that because then it's too freaky. So oh, it's thanks, like Rick. <laughs> I'm just saying, but but I mean, we all I mean, we all deal with it because it's what we do. And, you know, I think we have a certain kind of wiring in our brain. And also it's just something we've done for a long time. And certain people, I think, are mentally set up to do it. It's just, it's, you know, just some people get stage fright. Some people don't. Some people can play guitar. Some people can't. Um but you have to have your brain sort of partitioned off where part of you is aware that you're doing a radio show and that you get, you know, there's certain things you got to do because there's lots of people listening. If a part of you also can't think about it because, because then you just get into this whole like, everything I say is being heard and judged by 500,000 people. I don't know what to do. Well, it's all the pressure. Part. I've said so many things that have just screwed me over. That's <laughs> it's just like, you just got to be them with the fact that you're going to say something. That that's that's my else. deal. And I'm at the point. I don't even care. So uh, Byron, however, I think was still working through some of that uh, some of that apprehension yesterday. So Byron came on. He really loosened up at the end, though. I, you know, what it was, and I don't mean to uh, telling tales out of school or whatever it is they say. But I told him between like the third and fourth news stories, I turned up the mic for a second and I said, sit down. I said, just do, do yourself a favor. Pull up a chair because he was standing. And I said, pull up a chair, sit down. And do the rest of the news sitting down. Because what it does is it relaxes your diaphragm. And he did that. And actually, from that moment on, I mean, he was great. But from that moment on, also, his, you know, his breathing kind of evened out. And he was mm. fine. By the end of it, man, he was, he was a pro. So, so we want to thank uh, Byron Beck, formerly of the Willamette Week. Now uh, you can read his uh, musings at byronbeck.com. We'll have him back. Byronbeck.com. So every day this week and probably throughout the, uh, the remainder of the year, we only got like 14 shows or something left for 2008. Mm. Um, Every day for the remainder of the year, the news is going to be handled and delivered by a different laid-off member of the Portland media. Sometimes they're going to be names you recognize, sometimes voices you might know, sometimes both, sometimes neither. So every day for the rest of the year, we're going to have the news handled by somebody else who is a laid-off member of the Portland media circle. Uh, whether they were the radio, television, print, editors, reporters, anchors, journalists, all of the above, some of the above, none of the above. Uh, that is every day for the rest of the year. Today, Tom Parker, uh, who of course who is here. He's and I got to tell you, Tom Parker is one of those guys. So you meet him in like five. Se- I don't mean to be talking behind his back. I guess he's in the other room. But five seconds after you shake that guy's hand, I mean, we met him at Kissing, but you just get the sense like this is a guy who actually knows what he's doing. He's an actual radio professional. No, he's a pro. I totally remember him from Intercom. Yeah, it's kind of intimidating. It, it is intimidating. I'm like, he's coming on our silly show. I mean, even you know, Tim was a pro, but in a really Odd kind of way. So uh, today, Tom Parker, who you may know from, uh, you may know him from such radio stations as KPAM and Kissin, uh, and then of course KGW. Back through the mists of time. So we will have Tom Parker in today uh, around noon. He'll come in, and then we'll do some scattered news throughout the day. So uh, Tom Parker, a laid-off member of the Portland media. And by the way, you can go and you can read the whole blog at rickemerson.com or myspace.com/slash/rickemerson. And the email address there is rick at 970.am. Rick at 970.am. And uh, please only use that email address if you, if you are or know a laid-off member of the media. The rick at rickemerson.com address is good for everything else. So, all right. Uh, let's see. Before we do anything else, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of Hellboy 2, The Golden Army on DVD. Uh, let's see. Saving the world is a hell of a job. The mythical world starts a rebellion against humanity in order to rule the earth. 
So Hellboy and his team must save the world from rebellious creatures. From the visionary director Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo de Toro. Uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Ah, uh, there you go. Let's see, what else? All right, uh, coming up today, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us. We'll also talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. We will talk to, I believe, Steve Kastenbaum and Jim Roop. I think it's entirely possible we have all four of them today. I'm not totally sure about we that. We do indeed. All right, so there you go. So we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, uh, Ed McCarthy, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we will talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Coming up later on today, we'll do the top five. Top five most off-puttingly happy songs ever recorded. That's coming up later on the top five most off-puttingly happy songs ever recorded. And it seems like we had something else, but I can't remember what it is right now. It's sort of escaping me. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch coming up today. I do believe we have a Joy of Christmas segment coming up today. Uh, all of that. Uh, and again, Tom Parker, the news, your phone calls, and uh, all of that. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Today? Hello. I'm doing well. I'm a bit tired. I had, a, I had a bit of a night. What was your night? I went to... Is this going to be like a wash, rinse, repeat thing where every night for this week is going to be basically like the night before? Seriously. Where it ends with you guys going, life is effed. Actually, no, last night I made the most of it. I went to a trivia night, and then I went to a comedy show, and then I went to a bar opening, and then... Yeah, and then home. Did but you go to a bar opening followed by a bar closing? <laughs> yes, by a bar closing, it's true. Right. I know some like fancy bar that I didn't belong at that you know I was invited to by a friend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my evening. Well, there so you I go. I got to see an amateur comedy night, which was interesting. And that was just because of uh, and that was just like because the comedian took you. Yeah, the comedian. Well, he was dropping off because uh, he organizes a bunch of comedy shows, so he was dropping off some flyers there, and it just so happened to be an open mic night. And I was with actually with Jen Lane. Well, there's nothing better than a comedy open mic night. Man. Guys who really ought not to be allowed near the stage, like if the actual fate of the world depended on it, up there for five minutes going, and the deal with airplane food is... Man, some of it was funny, but some of it was just goddamn painful. Let me just... I don't get it. I will tell you, there's there are very few things that are worse than watching bad comedy. Because I hear the Roger Ebert said this thing, and we'll get some calls here in a second. We'll talk about uh, talk about what I did last night and all that. Um, but Roger Ebert said this thing about movies. He said that no good movie is too long and no bad movie is short enough. There's something about like if I ever get so, or I guess not if when I get some kind of terminal cancer, I want to spend my last remaining uh, years on this earth in a bad comedy club because when a guy gets and here's the thing, you can tell like ten seconds in. I mean, it's like when you see him. Did you ever go to see a movie and you're hoping it's great, but then the first five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes of the movie are just ass. They just flat out suck. And you kind of have this hope in your head that, that another part of your brain knows is foolish. Where you're thinking, well, I don't know, maybe it's going to start slow, but then it's all going to come together and it's going to be a work of unparalleled genius. But that's never the case. It's nothing that starts bad ever gets better. Something that starts bad continues to be bad, and then it ends bad. And then you're two hours closer to the Grim Reaper coming to collect you and take it to Jesus, and you're sitting there with nothing but two hours of crap to have shown for it. Comedy... I would say more so, I mean, I don't know, I, we could probably do a whole list of bad things that seem to go on forever. Because there's bad movies, there's a bad, Jesus, how long does a bad opening band seem to take? Oh, yeah. A bad opening act that's going to play for like 40 minutes, that's like a good eight, nine hours of it. They're up there just rolling out one crap song after another that no one cares about. Interminable guitar solos and a lot of like, you can buy our CD up front. You know, we'll be out there signing autographs that no one's interested in. So there's opening acts, but comedy... Here's the thing about comedy. You, I don't mean to sound like I'm just railing on comedians, because I'm sure your comedian is funny and 
Wings Actually, are going all that. Actually, he performed for the first time last night, and he was funny. Or I was drunk. One well, of the two. I mean, I'm glad because then otherwise you have to lie. No, it was really. And no, baby, you're have... no. That's hilarious. That thing about driving in a parkway and parking in a driveway. I oh, was God. in. I was in hysterics. No, I was impressed though because everyone was getting up there and they all had their notebooks of jokes written out and stuff. And comedian just got up there. Uh, notebooks of jokes. Because it was an open mic night. No, but, but still, you only got to do five minutes, right? I know. No, at the, at the most. If you like, can't remember five minutes, you shouldn't be on the stage. And it was, well, everyone's reading off their notebooks. And so, uh, comedian was just like, I'm just like, oh, you should totally go up there. And Jenner and was like, okay, yeah, why not? And so, that's what I appreciate about him is that he had absolutely no material on him. It was just all in his head. And he just gets up there, did five minutes, was hilarious, got off, and just like, Okay. Well, he wants people to think it's all in his head, which is just as important, because then it looks like you've just got these hilarious observations lurking in your brain to get out. Exactly. Now, open mic nights, the problem with it is, like, to be in a band, to be an opening act for somebody, at the very least, you have to have put together the band, figured out some songs, made some kind of uh, a presence or have some kind of a buzz, have a record. Like, very rarely do you just fall into an opening act slot, you know, as, as a musician. Um, you know, or to make a movie. You have to have at least really worked and, and gathered the budget and the actors and the script and the director and the producer, and you have to have made the movie, and some kind of distributor has to see it, and then it has to at least go to a film festival to inflict your garbage on an audience. Stand-up comedy, though? as we found out at the CBS staff meeting on Monday afternoon, <laughs> is something that anybody with a larynx and a really, really bad idea of what's funny can do. Doesn't matter. Open mic night, I'm there. You know what? Everybody at home thinks I'm a stitch. And this is all people who either A, work with coworkers who have never bothered to tell them that they are, in fact, not amusing, or B, and this is usually worse, they have either a wife, a husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, or family members who have always told them they're really hilarious. Oh you know, my mom always said that I should uh, be on the radio because uh, I always got stuff to say. <laughs> Boy, you ask anybody, I got a million. I hate, oh, yeah. man, I hate that line. Right. The worst part about it, though, was so some people came up. Some people were really funny. Some people not so funny. And this guy, uh, Dax, hosted it. He's a listener to the show. And then at the end of it, they had improv. That's fantastic. Oh, sweet Lord. That's where and, like, comedy goes to die. So they'd... Uh, so, Everybody went on stage, and then, like, Dax would say, like, a sentence, and then they'd all have to, like, do the punchline. And I swear, it was the people who were the least funny that kept going up to the microphone again and again and right, again. And it was just, yeah. it was slow torture. Jen and I are looking at each other like, we need to get out of here. No, improv alleged comedy is, in fact, one of the worst things on earth. I mean, there are very few things that I would rather that I would rather miss than improv comedy. So, well, I'm sorry about that. Well, I see now why you had to go to a bar and why you had a bit of a night. It's all so clear to me. Yeah. Working backward from that, it all makes all kinds I'm of sense. I'm trying, you know, like, you know, you're dating somebody and you're... Oh, and here's, it's not going to get any better. You keep dating oh, a comedian, you're going to keep seeing bad open mic nights. I know. Yeah, so just and have fun with that. And I was tricked into this one, too, because it's just like, hey, I just got to swing by, you know, oh, on the way to, you know, this um, new bar that we're going to, why don't we right. just, you know, drop off these posters. Oh, hey, it's open mic night. Why don't I stay What are the you? odds? Oh, look, all of my friends are yeah. here. Oh, no. maybe I should go up. And see, it's different than, I mean, you know, and we do a certain kind of, you know, we're a fundamentally comedic show, and I mean, we're, you know, I guess on stage in a certain sort of sense entertaining people. I think it's different for us in that we're kind of here every day, and we have sort of a set-out block of time every day where we're going to come here and do our thing. When you're a comedian, though, I mean, presuming that you're a working comedian or a semi-pro comedian. In other words, you know, you're not some guy, you're not Dane Cook, who can just go out there and, you know, book a whole tour and then go out there and do the whole thing. you you got to kind of get it where you can get it. 
which means if there is an open mic night, if there's a stage somewhere where they got nine minutes to fill, uh, you know, you've got to just take your shot and go up and do it, mm-hmm. which is why you're never going to see the end of that. So that's going to be a thing that goes yeah, on. Yeah, which forever. is why, you know, uh, I'll see him for three days and then he'll head to Idaho. Baby, i got to go to Pocatello. Start. They need laughs there, too. Seriously, he was like in Idaho um, most of last week at, at a casino. Yeah. No, and if your relationship gets more serious, you're going to get to those you're going to get to go to those casinos with him. Honey, pack up. We're going to Washtucna, Washington. We're going to do, go do some laughs at a barn raising. So enjoy that, Sarah. I don't know. Something about, yeah, about dating a comedian kind of makes me nervous because everyone keeps saying how comedians are like tortured souls. And the more I see, you know, like all of the sadness of last night of watching all right. the people up there doing the jokes, I'm like, oh, God, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, let's see. Um, well, I don't really have time to do a whole lot else. We'll get uh, a couple calls here. We'll take a break. we got Lisa Desjardins coming up. Um, oh, but I want to say this. I realize no one at home can see this. <gasps> So this is one of my replacement holiday mugs that I bought Uh, because I got this whole thing of decorating my house for Christmas. That isn't very festive. Well, it's it's like silver and white, but it's a replacement mug. It's not meant to be one of my actual holiday mugs. So we decorated the whole house for Christmas last weekend, but there was this whole saga of the holiday mugs and the wreath that I couldn't find. And you know, and it, 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 there's you know, there's a finite number of places they get me. My house isn't that big. I got an upstairs. I got one. I got that downstairs, and that's it. I mean, there's nowhere else they could have gone to. So I had the wreath, I had the holiday mugs, which were missing. And so that at a certain point, I'm doing that thing like when there's an airplane crash and you just see that long line of guys walking through a field, like in formation, looking at every single inch of the ground, trying to make sure they don't miss even one part of the aircraft. And so I'm going through my house like six inches at a time, trying to find the holiday mugs. And of course, they're nowhere to be found. I can't believe you're still looking for those. So on Sunday... Uh, you know, because on Sunday, Sarah and I and Richie and I, we all had the big talk about Tim and about how it was going to be Tim's last day on Monday. And I was just sitting around brooding and being like a, you know, depressed guy. And finally, my wife was like, she's like, F it, get in the car. We're going to go buy mugs. And I said, baby, I don't want to leave the house. I just want to sit here and weep. And she's I know that's why you're getting in the car. So my wife, God love her. She all but physically pulled me off the sofa and shoved me into the car and took me to the store to buy Christmas mugs. Um, and so we bought these replacement Christmas mugs on Sunday. And so, of course, last night I was going to the basement to get the, my boxer shorts out of the dryer, and I literally tripped across the box that had my holiday mugs in them. No way! So I did make them appear by buying new ones, Sarah. So now the new ones will come to work, and they will be my work it's holiday It's just like mugs. you can always make the bus come by lighting a cigarette. It's true. Um... So there's that, and then, but so, it, but it, that was all part of uh, buying our Christmas tree, which we did last night, uh, because it, time sort of got away from us, and so uh, today is the tenth. Last night was the ninth, so we went out to buy our, our Christmas tree, which is, and I will say this just so I can take some of the awkwardness uh, out of the room about these things. Here's another thing that sucks is that now any time I do anything festive this week, I feel all the survivor's guilt about it. Last night, how can I buy a Christmas tree when Tim Riley is unemployed? You know, let's have some coke. How can I drink cocoa when Tim Riley is unemployed? Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you just... Oh, could you rather just uh, eat some Cheetos and go to bed? How can I eat Cheetos when Tim Riley is unemployed? So I'm walking around the Christmas tree lot last night, trying to be excited about it, but it's just, it's just falling into these big lapses of sadness. Anyway, so we buy this big tree, which I failed to measure, just like I failed to measure the doorway to my house. Just like I failed to measure my living room. So we'll have to cut this short in a second, except to say that the truck the truck could barely hold the tree. We got the tree home. Where did you get the tree? Uh, this, there's this, like, Boy Scout church lot thing down the street from our house. Okay. And, um, I mean, the tree wasn't that big. It was like a $30 tree. It wasn't, it wasn't that huge. But I got it onto the front porch, and it wouldn't go. The, so I'm sitting with a tree in the doorway of my house, cutting branches off the tree with a hacksaw so I can get it into the goddamn house last night. I get it into the living room. 
I realized that the corner of the living room where you always keep the tree is, in fact, so small, and the tree is so large that if I put the tree up, we can no longer get into the kitchen. So then I'm moving around all the furniture. I had to actually move one of the couches to the other side of the house last night just so I could find a place to put the tree. I get ready to start stringing the tree with Christmas lights. I realize the tree is still sopping wet, and then I'm about to wrap it in something that's plugging into an electrical outlet. It was just a whole night of weirdness. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Steve Kastenbaum, Ed McCarthy, Jim Roop. Uh, I see the calls on hold. Hang tight. We'll get to those here in a few. Tom, <coughs> pardon me. Tom Parker, laid off media personality, will be doing the news for us later on today. The top five and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This email says, about your tree and your couch. Rick, so after buying a couch for the basement that won't fit down the stairs, you bought a tree for your house that won't fit in the living room or the doorway. Well done. Just put them both on the front porch and have a redneck Christmas. You do live in Southeast. Uh, well... It was just sort of. How do you buy a tree so big it doesn't fit through your front door? Well, I didn't really bother to. Uh, I didn't really bother to measure, and I don't. And I, my sense of spatial relations is just so like so non-existent, you know. And like in terms of just measuring or sort of like even in sort of abstract measurements, like like I'm like like I never know how long it's going to take me to get anywhere. So people say, hey, you know, I'll meet you at the station, or whatever, and I'll go, hey, I'll be there in about ten minutes. It's like the Rain Man, everything costs a million dollars sort of thing. Like, everywhere i got to drive to, it's like a ten-minute drive. And it's never a ten-minute drive ever. And if it is, it's just by happenstance. So, yeah, so I was just sitting there in the doorway of my house with a hacksaw, just cutting pieces off my brand-new Christmas tree so I could get it in the door. Jesus. And don't even get me started on the dog and the tree and the, you know, it's a whole thing. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, From the Hills, CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, Lisa Desjardins joining us. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hey, Rick, how are you? I am fantastic. How's your day? How's life? How are things? How are all developments in the world of Lisa? It's, it's pretty crazy right now. I'm actually standing here uh, with a Republican senator that just gotten out of their lunch, and we're trying to figure out if this auto deal um, has a chance of passing. I'm trying to type up an email real quick for the rest of CNN, uh, letting them know that uh, ranking Republican Senator Shelby just told me that it would not pass um, as it stands right now. Uh, and it's just not going well. There's a news conference on my left. There's a, a Vice President Cheney just walked by on my right. Uh, so it's, it's it's pretty wild. All right. And, so and I've got a sugar high as well. Well, all right then. What is your preferred? What is the preferred sugar delivery system for Lisa Desjardins when she feels the need to jack herself up on uh, you know dextrose? Well, you know, uh, it, it, I think I've told you guys about this maybe last year that the radio and TV correspondents here at the Capitol have an election every year, uh, uh, and uh, that's today, and that most people uh, try and win votes uh, the Bulgarian way, I guess, by uh, making baked goods. And so the C-SPAN people are out of control and actually had volunteer bakers. Uh, so there's, like, I can't even tell you the amount of baked goods and sugar options that we have today, mostly courtesy of C-SPAN. One doesn't really ever think of the C-SPAN, uh, pardon me, C-SPAN people of being as being out of control. 
they seem so like that, a. That's probably the greatest part of it. They seem like a particularly staid group of individuals. That would just be my <laughs> estimation. All right, no, well. Candidate's actually a pretty fun guy. He's been giving me a hard time most of the day because I actually am also running, but I brought like grapes and oranges and like little pecan pies. Of, I didn't bring much. Of, of course you did. Did you also bring? Did you also no. bring like lanyards for people to weave and then merit badges to give them for the weaving of said <laughs> lanyards? Um, just final note: to, saying that the C-SPAN people are out of control in any way is a little bit like telling me that the people at the Weather Channel have gone all crazy and they're throwing down <laughs> over like in Studio Five C. <laughs> All right. Well, in any it's event. Possible. Possible uh, all right. So, so, uh, so I don't even know at this point. It's such a it's such a weird moving target. So, what what amount of money am I going to have to give to these jackasses in the auto industry if this goes through? And what are the likely what's the likelihood that it will go through? Well, let's start with right now. We're talking. I know it's been fifteen billion forever and ever. Um, it's now fourteen billion. We don't know where the other billion went, but. The deal that we just got the paperwork out, maybe, we got the paperwork maybe two hours ago, $14 billion to automakers. The problem, though, is there's some very serious opposition in both the House and the Senate. Like I said, uh, Republicans just broke up their luncheon, and it does not look like this bill has the votes to pass right now, but uh, very much in limbo. And it's not even clear if the House or the Senate would vote first. Uh, it's it's a pretty big mess. Now they can work this out. They've they've done it before, but it, it feels to me right now, Rick, that there are a lot of senators and congressmen who are willing to try and call the automakers bluff. Who are willing to say, let's see how bad it does get. Let's let's see. I'm willing to take the chance that you might collapse, and some of them say maybe you should collapse rather than give you this money. It's a big chance, but I think a lot of these lawmakers like many Americans, are fed up with the bailout process, and they may just pull the trigger. They may kind of make Detroit rise or sink on its own, and it looks like Detroit would probably sink. Um, let me just ask something on behalf of everybody. Are you on a Stairmaster right now? Yeah, I've been running up and down uh, the stairs here at the Capitol because I had to uh, do a number of things <laughs> while we were talking. All right, but, yeah, there's So, anyways, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 not at all. It's it's amusing. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't in fact that you hadn't been stricken with like uh, tuberculosis or something over the last 24 hours. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Not like yet. if you like, you know, I I, uh, I didn't. I was almost afraid to ask. And if you go, well, Rick, it's black lung. Then it's just you know. Then then I feel awkward. Um. Well, the, well, I know you got a busy day and a lot of things to do. But the one question I would have about this is. So the automakers first said $25 billion, but then the great thing was they had this great chart where they said, well, as you can see, we need $25 billion. But then if, if you looked at it and added up, it was actually $34 billion. So, so that was like kind of even the $25 billion was kind of lowballing. But now saying, well, uh, I don't know, how about 12 That sort of seems to be – that's kind of like when you – that's like when you leave the waitress a 45-cent tip, which is enough, you know, that's like enough to know her, you, you know, you to let her know you remembered, it's just that you don't want to give her anything. So it's kind of worse than giving nothing in some way, right? But I mean, it, but if push comes to shove, they'd take 12. I mean, they're going to take that more before they take nothing. Right. It looks like 14 right now. <laughs> Do we hear 13? Um, 14 billion right now. The idea is to help them get through at least until... The Obama administration starts up and possibly all the way until March. It's hard to say if the money would last that long. But, yeah, they'll take whatever they can get. All right, then. On that note, it sounds like it's going to be a, a bit of a day for you as well. So, uh, hey, have a uh, have a yeah. baked good for me. What is it, just real quickly, what is the best single thing the C-SPAN people have made for you to eat? Uh, they are, well, first of all, let me tell you, their chocolate chip cookies are really, really awful. 
Um, but uh, they, I, you know, they, I can't, they've got like seven different desserts. Uh, I think they've got some really good pumpkin bread. Are they all like they're like the Tracy Flick and, and whatnot of the uh, of the newscast world over there? Then, <laughs> although in a great in a great sort of what some people might see as irony, um, actually the Tracy Flick candidate. Um, someone who did write their name on cookies, a whole bunch of cookies, uh, is the candidate from Al Jazeera. That is really. Yes. Okay, you I have to, to take a picture. Sir, I was just going to say seriously. I demand photographic evidence of this. <laughs> I, what I would not give to have some like if some pastries from Al Jazeera. That would just be the best thing ever. I would, I, you know, and, here's, and don't take this the wrong way. I would re-gift those almost immediately to my mother-in-law. Here you go. There are cookies from Al Jazeera. Go. All right. I'm gonna go. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Wow. What the hell is that? What is going on? Jesus. I wonder if the Al Jazeera guy was like coming after her. Wow. I've never heard her sound so panicky before. That was just really strange the way that ended. That's a. There's a, a lot of there's a lot of crazy in the air. Madness Did we find in the Tom air. Parker, by the way. Uh, Tom Parker was in. I, you know, I should have. I should have checked it. He was in Tim's news tank. Oh, okay. Which I sort of assumed was going to be empty, not because you know, not like nobody can ever use it again or whatever, but it's just because because it's. Uh, and this is no disrespect to the engineering staff at CBS Radio Portland, but that little tin, that little news tank that Tim would use, and we call it a news tank because it's like a fish tank. It's <laughs> not like a tiny. military tank. It's a, it's a tiny little booth that Tim would use to go prep his news. Is just a. I mean, it's like a meat locker in there because it's. It, it is one of I think two rooms in the building where the heat doesn't ever go. Like you can't. It, it's not just like it takes a long time to get warm. Like there's no way to warm it. So it's always about 40 degrees colder than the rest of the building. And the equipment in there is sort of. It's been kind of cobbled together out of pieces of other things over the past however many years. And so it's a bit of a challenge to get everything in there to sort of to sort of go properly. And Tim, I think over. How I don't know the past couple of years kind of managed to master the equipment enough to get his news put together, but it's actually such a tricky room to use that nobody else even goes in there. Mm. The only other person who ever tried to use that room was Timmy Ryan, who we can say this now. Now that Tim Riley and Timmy Ryan uh, have both uh, gone on to bigger and better things, one hopes the uh, that every time Timmy Ryan would cover for Tim Riley's news. He would mess it up. He would screw it up, and he would somehow corrupt all of the files, and he would actually the control board in there. Everything that was wrong could be blamed on Timmy Ryan because all the buttons would be pressed incorrectly. He would have this thing of, you know, I'm going to do some news, but I'm going to add a flange onto it, and then I'm going to pan everything into the right channel. It's my distinctive trademark sound. And then Tim would try to go in and do the news, and it was just like a big walking, it was a big cluster. I wonder yeah. who Timmy Ryan is. We need to check up with I him. I don't know. And I realized that I sort of used the dread phrase, bigger and better things or future opportunities, because one doesn't really know what to say. The bigger and better things for Timmy Ryan at this point, I think, would simply uh, not being homeless, seeing as how his girlfriend, I think, has already broken up with him at least once since he's gone there. They're no longer in each other's MySpace top eight. And I know that she's always just like one day away from setting fire to his clothes and telling him to get effed. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. Uh, more to get to. Yeah, okay, we're going to talk to Ed McCarthy, I believe this is, in just one second. Okay, well, I don't have the... I'll tell uh, some of the other stuff from last night here. We're already kind of dangerously behind. So uh, coming up here in just a uh, short while, uh, Tom Parker will join us in the studio today. I keep wanting to say almost uh, Tom Tucker from Family Guy. Oh, uh, see, and I always want to say Colonel Tom Parker, who was, of course, Elvis's manager. Oh, there you go. Um, is Tom Tucker the, uh, he's the, the, the Tom news Tucker's guy. the anchor, uh, the anchor right. man. Next to, like, the girl that he obviously hates, whatever yes. her name is. So. <laughs> Diane. Diane. 
Um, so Tom Parker, laid-off Portland media professional, will join us to fill in for Portland laid-off media professional Tim Riley. Uh, later on, we will have Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop, the top five most off-puttingly happy songs ever, and Mr. Skin. <sighs> Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the South, mellow man about town, Ed McCarthy. You're actually in Chicago today, are you not? I am, but All not right. the south of Chicago today. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think anybody wants to be in the south of Chicago, Ed. Let's just uh, let's just call it what it is. Um, so I, I don't even know where to begin with this guy. Uh, this guy, Rod Blagojevich. Bl- very, so... very difficult. To, well, you have to do it very carefully. You have to pronounce it very carefully. Blagojevich. A little, a little bit of Yugoslavian uh, descent there, and the name is... Blagojevich. All right, so I don't even know where to where where to jump in, but basically the long that we should say here at the top, these are all even in Chicago, things remain allegations until until proven. So, but the general gist of this is that allegedly this guy was just going to put Barack Obama's Senate seat like up to the highest bidder, like whoever's willing to give him the longest back scratch, right? A lot according to uh, federal prosecutors. Uh, the FBI was in there wiretapping. They were tapping his home phone and also tapping the governor's uh, office phone. And uh, they say that uh, those conversations uh, lean toward that type of thing. Uh, also, uh, he wanted the, apparently, according to federal prosecutors, and I, of course, will uh, talk about uh, what they had in their war. They did. Cuffed him yesterday, took him from his home, and uh, dragged him to jail. That's so and, great. Uh, then he uh, he was in court. Uh, also, part of this uh, was that he wanted uh, to wield influence and get the editorial board from the Chicago Tribune off off the thing. Just get him out, and that was it. Basically, offering state help as far as a sale of Wrigley Field. Uh, where the Cubs play. So, you know, this is really uh, not just the influence buying that we've heard uh, so much about for the Senate seat that uh, is now left vacant uh, because uh, President-elect Barack Obama waits to take the White House. You know, and and I think Lisa made this observation yesterday that the idea that this guy was, again, allegedly that he was picking some sort of a fight with the media doesn't really speak to his uh, sense of political reality or intelligence. I mean, that, that seems like the wrong group of folks to be uh, starting any sort of a ruckus with. Talked with a lot of uh, insiders here in Chicago who know him much better than I, and they tell me that uh, they feel there was in some part a bit of uh, a delusion because his uh, approval rating was somewhere around 13%, very, very low, uh, yet in fact he had some kind of higher uh, expectations and his aspirations were to move to a higher office down the road. And uh, therefore, he felt as though he could wield influence, according to federal officials, who have now tapped him. And uh, we had that hearing yesterday, and of course, it will go from there. Now, the governor that was in before him, George Ryan, uh, he's in prison. Uh, So, uh, you you know, they've had three governors in 35 years uh, that have done prison time. So now the question is, will Rod Blagojevich be the fourth? Well, at this point, he has no choice but to run for mayor of Detroit, I would think. Um, so two, uh, two other uh, real quick things here. One is, well, I mean, you know, and I think a lot of people have made this observation. I don't know. What is it? I, I don't even know. There's an answer to this. What is the deal with Chicago and just being unable to keep their politics clean? I mean, I know that politics is by definition is sort of corrupt and dirty business where there's a little bit of graft to go around for everybody. We all know that that is, that is the case. Humans are imperfect and, and sometimes evil people, but 
Chicago, there does seem to be something in the water in that town where they can't really do anything politically for more than five or six years without just giving into their baser natures and cracking skulls and making backroom deals with everybody and their mother. It's been going on for a long time, apparently, and you talk to people, and they just seem to be uh, desensitized to the whole thing. And I had lunch today, uh, grabbed a quick burger, and I was talking to this woman uh, who served the burger. She said, she says, boy, she says, we just never know what's going to happen next. We know. But, I mean, it seems, it's almost like they, they come to expect it. Some, somewhere, uh, the late Mr. Daly is looking up and smiling. Uh, the final thing here, I see he's, he's been charged here. Again, allegedly, he's been, he's, uh, he is alleged to have, uh, let's see, a kind of conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud. I'm going to ask you a question. This happens all the time around the world, and it's in news stories constantly, and I never know what it means. What is wire fraud? That would be uh, actually uh, what the, uh, using the telephone. The telephone to... Uh, so it is electronic fraud plot, as opposed to mail crime. fraud. So it is, not a crime, so to speak. So yes. it's, like the, it's like the electronic version of mail fraud. Exactly. All right, there you go. Exactly. See? All right, now That's I know correct. something. See, you plugged a little hole in my knowledge gap, sir. So. Right. No. <laughs> All right. Um, There's a lot I could plug. I could not plug in for your knowledge scheme, sir. Uh, well, while you're there, if you get a chance, uh, you know our uh, marketing uh, director Susan Reynolds is from Chicago, and uh, if she were here in the room, she'd tell you uh, you got to get yourself some uh, some ribs while you're there. You just carve out like a little uh, 45 minutes for yourself. You go get some ribs, extra spicy. It's gonna make you feel better. Very good, sir. All right, Ed McCarthy, travel safe, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go, Ed McCarthy. Whatever happened to that isolated Ed McCarthy laugh that we used to have? You had it on your computer, and then it got deleted. It's one of those things. All right. We still need to go through all the sounds oh. on your computer. Yes, we do, Sarah. All right. Uh, we got to do that. We got to the music bumps. We got lots of things. Um, hey, just real quickly, are you aware that they're premiering a program on MTV called Bromance? Really? Yes. Yes, they are. I wrote this down at 10.46 p.m. because there was an add-on for it. And Lara, God bless her, actually paused the TV and she said, you got to come in here and see this. And I went in, and it's a lot of like... and I, But here's the thing, and I'm really unsure about whether I'm asking people to clarify thing. this or not. I mean... with Brody Jenner? No, but see, here's the thing. With who? Brody Jenner. Is he is he Bruce Jenner's son? Yeah. He's on the hills sometimes. God. I don't really know. Why do you know that? Because I am stupid and I watch The Hills. Okay. And I think I remember hearing something about him maybe. Now, wait, is The Hills on MTV? Yeah. Okay, so then it's almost certainly the case because she was watching, let's be clear about this, my wife is 30 years old <laughs> and was watching MTV. And, you know, we all know, that, I mean, look, nobody, nobody in this room, nobody on this show, probably nobody in this building is still in the MTV demographic because I think MTV's target demo is probably like 12 to 17, 12 to maybe 20, something like I that. I feel kind of like I'm too old to be watching. I feel kind of creepy sometimes. So, yeah, so like we can be forgiven for moving on from watching MTV. But um, but she was watching MTV, which almost certainly means he's from the hills because that's the only reason she would have been watching that channel. Um, but but it was I only caught like the last little bit of it, but it was like some guy with kind of the sort of 5 o'clock shadow and the dreamy eyes and the carefully rumpled hair kind that's of pretty looking, you know, sort of gazing at the camera like a, you know, sort of a... I just really want someone to love me. And you know, bromance, coming to blah, blah, blah. Are you serious? I'm not making it up. Why would I make up a show called Bromance? But I'm unclear about whether it's a reality show or, a, a, you know, like a scripted show. Is his name Brody? All right, I'm going to show you a picture and tell me if this is him. I mean, that just makes it worse if his name is Brody. That's totally him. Okay, yeah, that's Brody Jenner. So it's a play on words, Sarah. It's not just romance and bros. It's Brody. Well, remember that's what I told you, that um, my groups of guy friends, when they're all out together, it'll be a Brodeo. See, now, I heard that. Now, see, you told me Brodeo, which is bad enough, but here's the difference between 
I can't believe I'm having this conversation. Hi, I'm Rick Emerson. I'm a retard. Uh, the, uh, the here's the two things though. One, well, I can, can I can actually consolidate these. The difference between brodeo and bromance, I say in the dumbest phrase that's ever going to come out of my head. That's all right. I just admitted that I watched The Hills. Is that at least brodeo? While I would never use that, that is a phrase that I can at least see some guys using. And there are guys who I will. I'll just say this. We work with some guys who I could see uh, using that phrase. You know, dude, we're going to go out. No, we're going to go get wasted and get laid together. And uh, we're going to go. Brodeo. It's going to be total brodeo. Are you in? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whatever. And blah. And then they all bump chests together or whatever it is guys do. So I can see guys saying brodeo. Lara really did have the question, that what man is ever going to use the phrase bromance? Because that's one of those phrases like metrosexual or cyber Monday you get the feeling it's trying to shove into circulation, even though there's nobody anywhere who actually uses it. Yeah, bromance it. is the stupidest thing ever. No one says bromance. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Laid-off Portland media professional Tom Parker filling in for laid-off media professional Tim Riley. Coming up later on, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and we'll do the top five most off-puttingly happy songs ever recorded. This, my friends, is The Riverdales. Back after this, it's The Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Uh, we'll do the top five. Top five most off-puttingly happy songs ever recorded. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. By the way, this is the sort of... This is the kind of bifurcation that goes on in the brains of the audience. What happened to Tim? I listened via podcast. What's going on? I really liked him. By the way, can you send me that Disney menstruation clip? So, I'll get right on it, uh, Kim. Uh, let's see, what That's else do we have the most random here? email ever. Uh, Rick, about your coffee cup dilemma. Uh, you know, at the Salvation Army store, 200 yards south of Burnside in Southeast Grand, you can get 12 cups for $5. Here's the thing. I, A, I already got the coffee cup dilemma kind of fixed, because I bought brand new ones, which, of course, then led to me finding the old ones, like, 45 minutes later. Secondly... I can't go to the Salvation Army place just like I have trouble going to Fred Meyer right now because I, because the bell ringing guy makes me feel like an ass, you know. Because you're walk well, you know everybody knows what I'm uh, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Are you going to? The, I'm not going to do a whole thing on it. I'll leave that to the comedian at the open mic night, not your comedian, comedians in general, lowercase c comedians. Okay. <laughs> but you know you're walking into the store and they're like ringing the bell, and then like the later it gets in the night, the bell like rings slower and slower because of just sadness and frostbite. And meanwhile, you're not giving them any money. I mean, I know you're not. I'm not. Sarah's not. Tom Parker probably doesn't. You don't. No one ever gives them any money. The money you see in there, planted. It's it's just it's priming the pump money. So, you know, and then I just, uh, you know. And so I walk speedily by, and then they become like the guy in Hawthorne who wants me to sign something to save some rare spotted emu or whatever. And I, I know. Just... I go to Fred Meyer all the time. And I have to walk by that guy multiple times a day, and he's always, like, making direct eye contact with me. I'm like, I don't no, have no, enough money. No, no. You know, and here's the key. If, if, when somebody, just the final note, and then we'll roll the uh, new news hour here with uh, Tom Parker. So... The key is, if you get into a conversation like that with someone who absolutely insists on engaging you, sometimes like some guy comes to the door or like some guy, you know, outside the Starbucks at like 34th and Hawthorne was like, so uh, would would you like to join us in training, you know, training ourselves, chaining ourselves to a tree to save whatever? If you feel like they're 
like you somehow can't get away and they've got you cornered, here's the deal. You can feign eye contact by doing this. Tony Robbins teaches you to do this. You look at their face, but you don't look at their eyes. You look at the spot on the, the, the bridge of their nose between their eyes because it looks like you're making eye contact, but you're really not. There you go. And then you can maintain it without any sense of awkwardness because you're not really like I'm doing it with Sarah right now. Because I'm not really looking at your eyes. You feel creepy. See, I could just stare at you forever right now, and I'll never... This is how you can win any staring contest, by the way. They're in the middle of the night. They can't tell you're not actually making eye contact, and you can just uh, do it uh, like this for hey, long periods of time. Why don't we get a new sarcasm? Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all this week and throughout the remainder of the year, the laid-off Tim Riley will be filled in for... Some odd syntax. Um, with a uh, procession of other laid-off Portland media professionals. Yesterday, Byron Beck uh, really did a uh, uh, really it was a Sisyphean task, stepping into the line of fire first out of the gate after uh, Tim's final day on Monday. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Tom Parker. Sarah? And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Makes me wonder what sort of obscure uh, mythological reference I'm going to be subjected to tomorrow. He did the Herculean task of cleaning out the Aegean stables, or what would I be doing? Well, there was Herculean, and then there was Sisyphean. I don't really know. I could say the uh, what other what other uh, what other myth could I refer to? I could do the. Um, do, you, do you hand out like uh, little uh, notes at the end of each show saying the uh, the reference today the uh, <laughs> the reference today had to do with Sisyphus pushing a. Okay. If you'd like, I could say the uh, I could say a Promethean myth, which means that one of you has to go steal fire from the gods. There you go. I could we could do um, we could do an Aspasian myth, which means that we all have to remain celibate until the Iraq War is over. Let's skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Out of the gate, baby. That's what I'm talking from the line. Uh, so just uh, you know, give a little bit of background here because obviously, as Tim Riley always says, you know, you work with everybody five different times, so you can only screw them over once. Um, the uh, we, Tom, you and I and Sarah and, in fact, I think Tim, all sort of worked down the hall from each other but didn't really ever get a chance to talk. We didn't work with each other. We worked near each other. In, in, at the intercom building. The intercom. Uh, Behind the black gates of Mordor. Yeah. Uh, so I will read this biography prepared by Tom Parker. About? Tom Parker has been heard on Portland radio since the 20th century, including KGW, KXL, 13 years on K103. Uh, what you refer to as a cup of coffee on Kissin in 2005. Is that like a blink and you'll miss it kind Somewhere of thing? Somewhere like three months. Really? They, three they, months? They, they flipped the station. Remember the day that you oh, got rolled out there? They I were also to... simultaneously <laughs> blowing up Kissin, making it into Charlie. I seem to remember something about you that. Oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and recently on KPAM, which is apparently a radio station somewhere. In 2008, Tom managed to get laid off from a job he never really had. Offered a job rescinded because of the budget. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Nice, huh? The, how, if I can ask this, how far had, I mean, like, were you to the point of, like, you'd negotiated everything and the numbers had been we, agreed on? We or? were, no, we were we were pushing things back and forth, and then all of a sudden there was, ah, <laughs> on second. <laughs> hey, about that job. About that job. I hope you haven't bought anything larger than a cup of coffee on credit. <laughs> um... As well as being laid off along with, wait for it, the entire staff at CBS Station. That's a surprise. CBS Station KFRC San Francisco. And I didn't even, when was that? I didn't even know that happened. I mean, they, uh, they, you anyway. they blew that station up in October. Uh, the, uh, the about two months ago, the, right. they pulled the plug and decided to simulcast KCBS AM, which is the news talk. And you know how that is done, Rick. That's just simple. You just push two buttons, and all of a sudden, the whole audio chain is sent to two transmitters, yeah. and 13 people are sent out in the street. The good news for me was I was doing my 
show from here in Portland. And so I don't have some big honking uh, San Francisco mortgage and uh, $5 Golden Gate Bridge fares to pay. You didn't decide to do the radio thing of buying a house in every city where you work, so you have a big, like a charm bracelet of properties around the country that you cannot sell or pay for. I, uh, there's somebody who I will not identify. Uh, we've identified them in the past, but I, that's probably a mean thing to continue doing. But there's somebody who used to work in Portland um, and who only did. You were saying you worked at Kissing for like three months. There's somebody who worked in Portland for six months. Um, and this person, Sarah's giving me the confused look. Um, all right, I hate to do this. Mic's off. No, I, was, I hate to. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, everybody. Uh, who... And we've talked, we've told that story in the band. I'm not, not going to keep using the person's name. So I apologize that I just did the thing of telling Sarah. And so, but um, anyway, but, but this person came here and not, didn't just buy a house because here's the problem is a lot of times you can, and I've done this, where you delude yourself and like, no, 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 this is the gig that's going to last forever. This is a 20-year deal. Exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't break a contract. Uh, <laughs> if you ever and, look at one of these contracts, it always says, and we can get out of it. It's five years, but we can get out of it every 13 weeks. The contract say, is... Wait a second, is that a five-year contract or a 13-week? You've got me for five, i got you for 13 weeks. Okay. It's always a bit of a one-way street. And I'm not just talking about CBS or any particular company. I mean, the, the, the contracts, as somebody once told me, uh, you know, contracts are great if you're the company. They're somewhat less great if you're the employee, depending on where you are, because they always tie you to the company. I've never seen one that ties the company to you. That doesn't happen. No. So if you can do the Don Draper thing of, hey, you know, Doc, I don't have a contract, then that works well for everybody. But so there's this person who comes who come to Portland uh, for a gig, which ended up lasting six months. They didn't just buy a house. They bought one of the – because I went to the house once, actually, during this weird, awkward crossover period. I went to this person's house because they'd done this really strange reality show thing of buying a huge house – where the whole show crew was like all gonna live together, like they were on, like they were on the real life or something, so the real world. Nikes um, too. Or? The uh, well, it was it was um, it was odd, and so in the West Hills, and it was this massive. It was up by that the Martini Glass. Some house. kind of like compound for the show. Basically, I mean, Weird. so but it was like a real world thing, uh, and you know, and again, they came here, let's say January. And the show went off the air, and I think it was June or something. It was six months later. And the last time I checked, and this happened many years ago, and I checked just a few years ago, that house was uh, still owned by that person, still desperately trying to find somebody to, you know, to sell it. Let me guess, they bought it in the height of the real estate. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Well, I think Lycus at one point he subsequently sort of streamlined his real estate. But I, I think at one point when Lycus had first moved out to, because he was in Phoenix, then L.A., then Boston, then back to L.A. to go national. And he would, he would just tell these hilarious stories. I got a house in every city. I can't sell them. You want a house in Boston? I've got property everywhere. I can't unload them. And, you know, so. Anyway, I'm glad you avoided that, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, the laid off Tom Parker. Indeed. Okay. If you haven't enjoyed a good story from Chicago lately, and who could imagine corruption, graft, and greed in, in Illinois? <laughs> Illinois Governor Rod. Lagoyevich, but you don't want to look at that name too fast, was roused from bed and arrested yesterday morning after prosecutors said he was caught on wiretapes audaciously scheming to sell Barack Obama's vacant Senate seat for cash and or a plum job for himself in the new administration. By the way, he was out on $4,500 bail and back in the office this morning at 930. That's got to be good. Do, we, uh, do I have to bleep myself, I guess, to Yeah, okay. I've got this thing, and it's bleep golden, the 51-year-old Democrat said of his authority to appoint Obama's replacement, and I'm not just giving it up for bleep nothing. I'm not going to do it. Blagojevich becomes the latest in a long line of Illinois governors to become engulfed in scandal 
In a moment of irony, he was elected in 2002 as a reformer, promising to clean up after Governor George Ryan, who is currently serving six years in prison for graft. Which I t- graft is great, by the way. I don't and I don't know like the sort of derivation of like graft the money versus graft like the my arm is on fire, yeah. I need more skin. skin yeah. But there's some sort of a I don't know which one came first, and I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's just a funny word. Graft is one of those things like racketeering that just has a great sound. Racketeering is more of a Yosemite Sam kind of a word. Sure. But the so I knew about that. What I didn't know is I think Ed McCarthy from CNN was telling he's like the third governor in like twenty years to go to the can. Oh, they're busy. There's something yeah, man, the whole state is on some weird political Indian burial ground or something. I just like you can't really, I mean, when is the last time Chicago went more than eight, nine years without some guy being taken out in handcuffs like Shawshank style? You know what I mean? Yeah, well they, 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 that's the way they do the Transfer of office. Maybe. <laughs> Hold out your right hand. Now your left one. <laughs> Put them behind your back. You're an amusing person, Tom Parker. I'm glad you're here today. I'm uh, glad I'm anywhere today. Thank you. It's the it's the joy of being a laid off media professional. Wow. Radio's the best job ever. This is cutting into my nap schedule though. <laughs> so I guess I'd better finish up this story. Uh, and he was also overheard complaining at one point that Barack Obama's people are quote not going to give me anything except appreciation. He added, bleep them. Uh, for the appreciation. And he said, authorities say that this guy was gaming to get $2.5 million before the year. This was his year-end special. This was his big closeout. This is a Christmas bonus. He wanted to get $2.5 million by the end of the year, decided to speed up his crime spree before a state anti-corruption law takes effect January 1st. The governor had vetoed the law, but the <laughs> doggone legislature overrode his veto. And by the way, you know what name is cropped up in this one today? I don't know. As candidate number five? Just, let's back up for just one moment. There's so many things going on back here. Up. It, is, it boggles the imagination. Just stop for a second. Are you, now, see, this is the thing where I, in the last couple of days, obviously, blah, 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 very busy, etc. You know, and we'll... We'll recap the last few days, I think, more and more infrequently as the week goes on and everybody sort of gets up to speed. But obviously, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So recently I've been sort of able to read headlines and then a few sort of explanatory sentences Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and then, you know, kind of moving on to the next thing. I haven't really had a chance to wallow in the news the way I typically do. So I missed that little nugget. Are you telling me that, in fact, they were going to start upping the penalties for, for being, you know, like a hooligan. Jan 1, it was going to become bad to be corrupt. And so he, in fact, sped up his crime spree to, like, get underneath the... Mm-hmm. That's like trying to buy as much stuff as you can while you can still write it off before they change the, the, like, the sort of tax loopholes the next year. That's it. That is fantastic. Well, you know, as you get closer to the end of the year, uh, really, you know, money does become... You know, you got to get that money uh, taken care of before the end of fiscal quarter, uh, you know. The end of uh, Q4 is looming large here, <laughs> December 31st. Yes, get it, it in. Yes, it is, Tom Parker. <laughs> Uh, all right. Oh, we'll skip the part where Jesse Jackson Jr. is identified as uh, interesting person number five. I'm shocked. That they were offering this thing to. Can you imagine that family ever being corrupt? Not that shocked. I didn't. No. You're not. Okay. Okay. Well, you're a jaded man. I'm just saying there's, there's certain things that register high on the richer scale of surprise and certain things that are merely tremors. Then perhaps this next story out of Salem won't surprise you at all. Oregon Parole Board unanimously denied parole to Elizabeth Diane Downs yesterday, deciding she remains a danger to society. Big shock there. Candace Wheeler, presiding parole board member, told Downs, quote, I know this is not the decision you were hoping for. Our feeling is that what you presented us with was a minimization of your crimes. We felt... You were less than honest with us. A minimization of your... Isn't she, in fact, a child killer? Yeah, her, her child. 
How do you? Yeah. The, the, all right. Well, whatever. Anyway, so she's going to remain a guest of the state It'll for some time to come. Minimize that. I know. Oh, I. Uh, and then with the straight face, the AP writes, you know, she's up for parole again in 2011. It's like, she's like Charles Manson. She's done. I was going to say that's one of those where they do kind of the rim shots, the sort of like, no, no, no. I, uh, I feel like I've really turned over a new leaf. But, it, but it's like that scene where Red keeps coming in for parole in Shawshank Redemption. Well, Sonny, <laughs> you just write whatever you're going to write on that form because, to be honest, I really could give an S. <laughs> and he gets Approved. Out. Yeah. Here's the great thing about you, Tom Parker, is you made the little Shawshank thing there. I was going to make a Shawshank uh, re redemption uh, reference just a few minutes ago when you were talking about uh, Black and Dark in uh, in yeah. Illinois. Because every, when you were talking about how they came to his house and they were like, you know, d d d d put out your hands and they put the bad sport coat over his head while he's going for the camera. Warden. I was totally picturing what's his name? Warden, what's his guts spilling out the uh, the bullets on the desk? And that great movie. I like to think the last thing that went through his mind, except for that forty-five caliber slug, was wondering how Andy Dufresne ever got the best of him. And then it's a great thing of cutting to the window and then redecorated with hint of blood. Splat. Yeah. Yeah. Tasteful. Tasteful. Splat. All right, here's Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I don't know, you know, we uh, don't have this problem around here, I'm sure. In Brookfield, Wisconsin, no restaurant has triggered more calls to the police department since last year than... I know you're thinking Hooters, but Chuck E. Cheese. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. This is where? This isn't in Portland. This is in Wisconsin. All right. Brookfield, uh, Wisconsin. Rick enjoys dining at Chuck E. Cheese. Not so much dining as sort of just observing. Uh, Niece, just a, nephew, adopted child, what gets you there? Uh, really, it's just an appreciation for the lower rungs of the human uh, the human condition. Uh, <laughs> and there's just no other way to put it. No, now you see, you will not know this. So Sarah and I had a discussion about this, I don't know, a few months ago, where... Um, my wife and I, my wife and I, we really do have, we have a lot of things that are different. We're sort of uh, somewhat overlapping circles, not entirely overlapping, mm -hmm. but I mean, we have uh, areas of shared interest in life and a lot of things. And a lot of things that I think sometimes, uh, you know, there's a certain way of looking at elements of our uh, 78 odd years on this planet that, you know, are a little off kilter, a little off, a little off center. And my wife shares a lot of those. So occasionally, I don't know where you live. What general part of town do you live in? I live right on the border of Tigard and Portland. All right. So uh, that is, I suppose, exactly where I would have. I, I would have said something quite like that if I Him had and Riley are probably neighbors. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're probably festooning your neighborhood with tiny twinkling white lights and big red my, bows from the lamp posts. Up. My, my, my little PGE meter is spinning around so you can no longer make a black dot out just for the gray line. Yeah. Do they, do they ever, um, uh, do, they, do they come and put peacocks into your neighborhood as well? No. Okay. Because Tim, you go to Tim's house and it's just like. It's like walking through Wonkaville. It's a little weird, actually. But um, anyway, so my wife and I will occasionally spend a, a vastly amusing evening just driving up and down Southeast 82nd, you know, just for grins, because it's, um, it's an interesting swath uh, of humanity. It really is. It's, uh, you know, a certain stripe of the Portland tapestry. talking about the Avenue of the Roses, aren't you? First of all, can I interrupt? Uh, would you make me almost as loud as him? Because he's really something. There's no one as Absolutely. loud as I am, Tom Parker. I want to be louder. Can you also add like a lot of bass to my voice? So <laughs> oh, I think so you're light. doing that yourself, Tom oh, okay. Parker. You sound great. Uh, Can so you put a light flange on everything, too? You know, this is the thing about 82nd. The city fathers and mothers and their great pride decided, instead of it being the street of you know hookers and, uh, and drug dealers and uh, low-rent car dealerships, uh -huh. they decided to make it the Avenue of the Roses. When did that happen? That happened about three years ago. Are these... Drive along 82nd. You'll see that it's sign the up Avenue there. The Avenue of the Roses, really? The Avenue of the Roses. And, and you've got to Snicker. I but mean, it's those it's those roses that come in a little tiny crack pipe uh, at some of the convenience stores. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. I don't. I remember I <laughs> Oh, don't lie. You know what I'm talking about in when I do in terms of crack pipes, Tom Parker. Crack I'm a pipe. newsman. 
Do you know? Have you? Do you not know what I'm talking about? The roses in a crack pipe. A pipe? You know, it's like a little. It looks like a little glass light bulb, kind of, and it's full of water, and it has like a it silk looks, rose in them. It looks like a test tube. I am just living in sheltered. Place. I will not, of course, identify anything, but you know, certain uh, convenience stores, and in a lot of times they're independent convenience stores. Yeah. I'll put it that way. They're sort of. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. So I mean, like the Hawthorne Market had a huge stock of them. Exactly. Where they were, they looked like little test tubes. They were about four inches high and about half an inch across, and they were a little glass vial with you know, but an open-ended one. And there would be a little plastic or, or cloth or tiny little stuff, you know, like a little silk or whatever right. rose in there. And you buy it for like a dollar ninety nine. And I'm sure it's a coincidence, uh, given the clientele that patronizes some of those places. <laughs> but if you were to buy it, one could conceivably use it as a pipe in which to smoke, you know. Oh, crack. See, this is the trouble about my life. I got the Sisyphus reference early in the show, but I didn't get the roses on the crack pipe. So I guess I've got to get I've got to get back into at least this millennia. Well, we'll I'm sure Tim Tim might have some property in St. John's he can sell you. Uh, so I mean, that really is a place to start learning about different levels of the Portland experience. So anyway, but my wife and I will occasionally spend a whole night just driving up and down any second, just sort of. It, almost like uh, Marlon Perkins, you know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah. sort of uh, just, just examining it all from a sociological perspective. And Lauren, let, my wife and I both came from real, like, hick white trash backgrounds. So, but, like, we went to on Thanksgiving, we went to, we spent our Thanksgiving dinner at the Jubitz truck stop. Right. Because on the Discovery Channel or whatever it was, they had the ten greatest truck stops in the whole world, and Jubitz was, like, number two. So, we're like, we got to go. And we don't have any kids or anything, so it's fine. Um, but we, we went to Chuck E. Cheese a while back because neither of us had really been to a Chuck E. Cheese since our childhood. And I got to tell you, it is like it is like being caught in some weird, like day glow, just cacophonous, like child saccharine pizza hell. I mean, it's just I mean, which I guess is great if you're a kid. Like if you're a kid, it's a wonderful place because it's loud and noisy and busy and messy and food and games and fun and a giant mouse. And it's just it's like how when you're a kid, there's nothing that's too sweet or too spicy. You know, every single thing. When you're a kid, you can basically pour a big pile of sugar into a bowl and then add honey on top oh, it's of good. it. It's all good. But Chuck E. Cheese is that way. You know, that's sort of the restaurant equivalent of that for kids. As an adult, man, I got to tell you, it's like Dante created like a special like tenth circle, oh, yeah. and you are right there. Oh, so yeah. anyway, so before we get started, this surprises me not at all. So well, you know, and, and who would suspect this from a restaurant whose mascot is a rat? Here's the other thing about that is that you, I think, as a kid, your brain is a little elastic and you can kind of accept the notion that there is in fact a giant cloth rodent walking around standing upright and occasionally coming up to you jabbing you in the back to get your attention and then just staring at you sort of mutely that's a thing you can kind of wrap your brain around as an adult it's just freaking weird. He's like, really just staring at the bridge of your nose. It's uh, well, oh, because he's looking out of the mouth thing too. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. here's uh, Tom Parker discussing Chuck E. Cheese. For those of you who weren't here a half hour ago when I started this story, in Brookfield, Wisconsin, no restaurant has triggered more calls to the police department since last year than Chuck E. Cheese's. Officers have been called to break up twelve. Bites. Yes, that's one a month for those of you keeping count. Uh, some of them uh, physical at the child-oriented pizza parlor since January of actually 2007. Are the others just emotional? Yeah, I think so. Or, or just verbal abuse. You were an accident. <laughs> Large pizza, please, with uh, bell peppers. <laughs> Sorry. i got to be professional here. The, have you no. listened to this show? Probably no. not, actually. Let's... The, you probably haven't. Have you I don't. Heard her show? Have you ever listened to this program? Don't, I have. I you don't have to lie. No, 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 no. no, no. And I'm not talking. Like, will not be hurt. No, 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 can I tell you when? No, 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 can I tell you when I listen to your show? 
Let me ask, well, before you do that, let me rephrase the question. Yeah. Have you ever listened to this show not counting the podcast that you hurriedly downloaded and sped through after Susan Reynolds called you about this? That would be no. Okay, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you very much. Are you kidding me? No, we knew each other so well. Like, we passed each other in the halls a You're up times. against Perry Mason, guys. Actually, I'm not watching any time, TV right, right now. I'm burning, my, I'm burning my time up on video poker instead. Free, mind you. None of the, none of the pay tables. Anyway, where were we? Uh, the biggest, but I could probably stream you while I'm doubling down on a, filling an inside straight. The biggest melee broke out in April when an uninvited adult, see, there's the problem again, disrupted a child's birthday party. Seven officers arrived and found as many as 40 people knocking over chairs and yelling in front of the restaurant's so music So wonderful. Where mm, a robotic singing chicken and the chain's namesake <laughs> mouse. Now, they're even buying it at this namesake mouse. This is not a mouse, people. This is a rat. It's a rat. There's you're no looking rat. at us like you want us to sort of assent. You're so angry. <laughs> uh, really, I mean, it seems you have a little bit of disproportionate well, rage about it. cheesed up. No, well, you know who started this was, uh, was named Nolan Bushnell, the guy who made all his money on Atari. Atari. Yeah, he started it with Chuck E. Cheese. Look That's at you with the pop culture reference. It won't surprise you. I know, you're, I know you're a gamer, and so and I know that you like those uh, those ancient history games like, uh, you know, Atari. It will not surprise Sarah to know that I was queuing up the Nolan Bushnell reference in my head, so I'm impressed that you did it. Uh, let me hear You really want to impress me? Okay, Nolan Bushnell started Chuck E. Cheese. He started Atari. What other company, what other, I'll put it this way, what other, what other uh, pop culture, a brief pop culture phenomenon was Nolan Bushnell responsible for? We'll get, we'll, we'll give you Atari, we'll give you Chuck E. Cheese. Nolan Bushnell also created one other product. I'll say it was a specific product sold to children that was a bit of a phenomenon. Do you know what it was? Uh, somewhere in the back of my brain, as David Crosby once said, not many of my brain cells are holding hands anymore. I haven't got it, Mr. Emerson. What is it? Turn over all the cards and hit me over there with it. It's just the weirdest experience. Uh, Nolan Bushnell was, I believe, responsible for the company Worlds of Wonder, which created, among other things, Teddy Ruxpin and Laser Tag. Uh, okay. So there you Teddy go. Teddy Ruxpin makes a lot of sense because he's just not very far off of Chuck. Let's go back to your Chuck E. Cheese thing for a moment. Okay. Now, on what are you basing this allegation that he is, in fact, a rat? Looks. It's a... Uh... It's you realize cultural you're stereotype, I think. You're talking about a, a thing made of cloth that's walking on its back feet and wearing a hat, right? Good point. So Good when point. you say looks... I'm talking about the look of the costume. All right, all right. Sarah, Chuck E. Cheese, rat or mouse? You could go another way. You could say, like, marmoset or can't something. You, can't you put this on a pole on the web? Uh, you know, it's one of those Chuck things. Chuck E. Cheese web... I would think a mouse. Somebody will call. Mouse? Because I don't think rats eat... I think rats eat babies. This is like that I question in Stand By Me. You know, Mickey's a mouse, uh, uh, Pluto's a dog, Donald's a duck. What's goofy? No, can I tell you this? When my wife... My wife is uh, out of the country a while back. She was in Peru. And she actually overheard... Two, this, is, uh, this sounds like a made-up story, but she was in Peru. She actually heard two people who I think were... Uh, they weren't both Americans, but they were English speakers. She heard two people having the... You know, how can Goofy be a dog? He wears a hat and drives a car conversation. And they were completely oblivious to the standby me thing. And so my wife, God bless her, because she's not really, she's not quite the pop culture freak that some of us are. She was actually able to step in and reference standby me and sort of lay down the law. And, uh, you know, but then a follow up by noting he was, in fact, a dog. So, I don't know, somebody will let us know. That's but they never resolved it in Stand By Me. No, they never resolved it in Stand By Me. But I think we did, in fact, have a whole discussion about it because we interviewed uh, the guy who plays Lardass Hogan. We had him on the show at one and point. He lives in Portland, right? He just moved, but he okay. li his name is Andy, and he lived in Portland. You didn't give me many blueberry pies, did you? Because well, we had, he, he was a camp counselor, and we had all these, and it sounded like an urban legend for a long time, where people call him and go, yeah, that Lardass Hogan guy from Stand By Me, he was my camp counselor. And then it's sort of like the, you know, Mikey and Pop Rocks and Eddie Haskell getting killed in Vietnam, where you kind of go, ah, that's, that's great. But we kept hearing about it. And people go, no, 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 he was my camp counselor, too. And they all agreed on the details and the camp and when it would have been. 
So we tracked the guy down who played uh, Lardass Hogan. He came out. He did, in fact, confirm that he was a camp counselor in these parts for many, many years. And that he's now, and he was in this big, this kid's band, Captain Bog and Salty, and I think he's moved to New York to be an actor. But anyway, so, ba 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 ba. And I think we asked him, what the hell is Goofy? And he just said, flat out, Goofy's a dog. Accept it. Move on. Wow. The meaning of life. Yes. And by the way, the fact that we are now 27 minutes into the noon hour, and I think we've done two and a half stories. Yes. It's not bad. It's not good. It simply is the state of things on this program. And now you have a little bit of a microcosm into how our particular brand of efficiency or not seems to unfold. And now anybody listening understands why I'm among the laid off. Underachieving is is really underrated. You know, really, you're uh, you're you're fitting in uh, quite uh, quite splendidly, my friend. Sarah, what should we uh, you want to do? Come or should we break? I'll just take a break. All right, take a break. Come back. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Parker filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley today. Back after this, we got more news on the way. Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum from CNN, Jim Roop as well, the top five, and Mr. Skin. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us. Uh, we'll also talk to Jim Roop, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And uh, today's top five, I hold right here in my hand. Today's top five, the top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. Right here. Hey, Rick, the order you sent them to me in. Tom, did you label my top five on the margin here? I did. I thought it was mine. All right, we got to talk about that in a second. Don't let me forget. It's my marginal thinking. It's, I have to... There's a, I mean, it really is it's a great. Visual. It's not going to work on radio. Don't even try to explain No, no, no. Wait, dude, you've never... Clearly, you have, no, you have no idea the number of things we do that probably don't work on radio. <laughs> um, the, uh, we don't really have high standards, Tom. Uh, no offense. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so, um, what, Sarah? What? Oh, the top five that you send me. Uh, I will give you the top five here. I did not send them to you in the correct order. Okay. Thank that. you. Um, so, uh, Tom uh, Parker, who is here, and we're doing this thing where every day, probably for the rest of the year, we're going to have a different laid-off Portland media person in filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley because it's because it brings the point into stark relief, uh, I think, and uh, and also it's just uh, it's just sort of darkly amusing. And really, you know, of all people who would find it funny, him. So anyway, so uh, yesterday Byron Beck, uh, today Tom Parker, who of course uh, KGW, KPAM, um, Kissin, KFRC in San Francisco, K103 for a bazillion years. Yeah. So if you'd like, we can play some Debbie Boone or something for you later on. Oh, make you feel more at home. I met her back when that song was popular. Really? The yeah, actual yeah. Debbie Boone? Yes, I was in San Francisco. Is she just unbelievably uh, just bland. She was perky. But see, in person, see, here's the thing about Debbie Boone. Perky and a little bit shy. But i got to pull up a chair now. Talking about Debbie Boone, so I have to really, like, hold on to my excitement. So Gravitas that you put under this subject. <laughs> Debbie Boone is fascinating to me, though, because, first of all, I mean, I'm assuming she is, because she was only, like, 25, which you did. I'm assuming she's still alive. Debbie yeah. Boone, dead or alive, Tom Parker? Alive. Are you bluffing, or do you know? I'm bluffing, but I think I know. 
But it's like you're educated. Yeah, she sends me a dead. Christmas card every year. You are lying. I am lying, but. <laughs> okay, well, I'm kind of glad you're lying, and I'm kind of sad you're lying, because I'd be really unbelievably jealous if that were true. You know, I actually have a picture of me with her someplace stuck way back away. Is it that you keep radio archives? You have a big box? I got a bunch of junk. I got pictures of me with Christy Brinkley. <laughs> I got a bunch of junk. And, uh, Radio's the best job ever. I got is. a big pile of crap at well, home. What's, what's great is people would never, ever, ever let you in their home spend tons of time with you. You know, they, they really would. Do you think you could knock on your average listener's door and they would allow you in if well, they didn't know you were Rick Emerson? Oh, well, no, 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 of course not. Um, I was going to say, actually, I because I'm pathetic and constantly in need of adulation and, you know, and confirmation that people love me. We uh, earlier on this year, we did this thing called it was the it was called the Emerson for American campaign or whatever. We would. We would go door to door to thank people for listening. And so I would go out with one of the street teamers and a camera and some stickers and surprise. I'd be like, hello, I'm Rick Emerson. I have this childlike need to be the center of attention and to be loved. I, hello? And then they would open the door and they go, yeah. And I'd say, I'm Rick Emerson. You listen to my program. Please tell me a person that you like me. And then we would talk and then I'd leave. Uh, so they didn't open the door because they saw the camera and thought you were from Publishers Clearing House? Well, no, here's the thing. i got to tell you, here's the thing we learned, though. The, th the thing we learned doing that, and we're not doing it right now because yeah. it's cold and whatever, but um, the thing we learned is that you have to have somebody else with you who has yeah. e e like a camera, yeah. a microphone, something, because then even if they're unsure, they will open the door thinking that it's probably not an arrest. It may be that they're going to be given something for free. Oh, this has been the oldest scam known to man. I mean, come on, this is the... the I'm sure no guy ever pulled this on you, lovely Sarah, but in college, we would take a camera back in the day with film and no film in it because you don't want to. Oh, of course film. not, no. And and go in, and shoot stuff as a way of, of meeting lovely opposite-sex people. But in the way of like, like you know, we're looking for models uh, for Vogue. We didn't escalate it quite to the level you're talking but, I mean, about. What but I mean, what was your... So it's more of a conversation starter for you. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's okay. do some... No, Wait, I... It's more of, a, more of a way to make the conversation go more than the five seconds where it says drop dead creep. Okay. okay. Wait, I need to do some role play to figure this out. Okay, I'll be the girl. So I'm just sitting here uh, having a drink. Hey, how are you? We're doing some uh, we're doing some film for the sociology class. I was wondering if we could talk to you a little bit here. Um. Okay. What kind of camera are you? Is it like a regular, like a still camera? Oh no, this is like a this is a big stuff. This is super eight eight millimeter. Camera. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Would you like to be? Do you know what a loop is, honey? All right. Um. Have you ever met the, Have you ever met the Mitchell brothers? Um, I know that reference too because I worked in San Francisco so long. Yeah, I know, dude. I know what I'm, I know what I'm, I know how to play to the room. Uh, okay, um, so is this for TV? Oh yes. No, we're thinking. We're thinking. Lie <laughs> if you with this is this is classic improv. If you want it to be, it is. And don't play that. But I was if you were thinking film, if you're thinking of the movie theater, that's where we're going with the film. <laughs> don't don't play that up as a joke either. You when I said is this for TV, and you just said oh yes so smoothly. That's muscle memory is what that is, Tom Parker. Um, well, Tom Parker does have a very convincing voice. He does. You have the voice. You have a trustworthy voice. You could probably scam people for millions of dollars. Not, not at all. Sign here. Would you write just initial there and there? Thanks. Um, um, listen. So, but then, but then the girl would say, um, "Well, um, okay. What do you want? Is this? Is, I don't have to do anything, do I?" No, not if you don't want to. Actually, it would <laughs> not if you don't want to. <laughs> so it would be a little. More... I mean, we could just we could just, just talk a while. We could just uh, you know hold each other. You know, we don't want to hide your light under a bushel here. So I was just thinking maybe undo that top button. But wow. <laughs> So. There's something about this studio that really it does bring out. It doesn't yeah. bring out the crazy. I think it just brings out the. Uh, I think it brings out perhaps the real person in there a lot of folks. Okay. Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, but so real quickly here. 
So, I, so Tom, uh, it came in today, and I said, well, here's some news we didn't get to yesterday, and here's some other stuff. And, Tom, you brought some stories as well. And then you went to Tim's uh, little sort of news tank to kind of prep. And then you came back in, and I just sort of walked over to hand you something, and I noticed... Here's the only way to describe this. You know when you have like a uh, when you have a spiral notebook or a folder or maybe one of those Mead five subject spiral mm-hmm. notebooks you buy, mm-hmm. and it has the tabs for each class, like yes. a blue tab for science and a green tab for history and whatever. So Tom hasn't done those, but what he's done is he took all of the different news stories, he stacked them in one big pile, but then offset them all by about half an inch. So it was sort of like a, a so they were sort of fanned out, yeah. and then. On the right-hand margin of every news story, he wrote vertically, story about Chicago corruption, story about brawl at Chuck E. Cheese, top five. I mean, it really is sort of intimidatingly precise the way you've done this. Well, it wasn't that so much. It's just it's survival because when you get a stack of basically, if you, the great unclean audience, unseen audience, could imagine this for a second, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper spit out by a computer printer right, right. there in your hand. Yeah. Now, multiply that times 20 or 30, and you've got to get your hands on one of those quickly. The only easy way for me to do it is to write on the margin in like the quarter inch, like you said, you know, right. Chuck E. cheesed off, and then, and then fan them out. And the worst part, what you didn't which you spared them from is that I alphabetized them. Really? Is that true? Uh, you, like, well, you got to touch a doorknob like seven times. You no, got to do it with your right hand. No, we're, not, we're not talking. We're, we're not talking monk here. But there's. A, uh, we're kind of rife with OCD in here. As do well. you have? Do you, Tom Parker, have any OCD traits apart from this? I can be obsessive about certain things. Yeah. Sarah and I will each admit one. If you admit one. Mm. All right, I'll start. So when I'm walking down the street, yeah. uh, when I I don't do the thing of. Um, you know, step on a crack, break your mother's back, whatever. But what I will do is, when I am walking down the street, you know, the sidewalk is put together in panels, and then there is the seam or a crack sure. sometimes. Expansion joint. I, you know, sometimes naturally occurring, sometimes not. When I am walking, I will be tallying up the number of steps within an unbroken stretch of pavement, but then i got to reset whenever I cross a crack or a line. So, in other words, oh, you know, I'm walking along. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three. And so I'm constantly adding up the number of steps within that unbroken square. Anytime I go over a seam or a crack, then I start again at zero. Mm. Sarah? Um, anytime that a clock is like 111, 222, 333, I have done this since I was little. I have to, um, like, I'll kiss my hand and then kiss and then touch the clock. I have to. I don't know why. Even if I'm, I don't know why. I didn't know this one. So when the clock is what? I've never admitted this one. Um... With straight aces, like the one, 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 like one, when, one. when it's like one, two, 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 you know, eleven, eleven. Like, yeah, one, eleven, two, twenty-two, three, thirty-three, four, forty-four. You kiss your hand and I then did, touch yeah. the clock. I do that and then touch the. clock. Is that like if it's a watch? No, if it's anything, it, it started off as just a clock, but now if I'm in someone's huh. car, wow, I have to do it, and I can't stop myself. And if I'm like on my phone, you have to like, distract them with something. Look over there. I was in the bank the other day, <laughs> and it was four forty-four, and all I had was my phone in my hand, and I looked around and I was like. What if, and I looked like a crazy person as I'm waiting in line for the bank, no. but I can't not do it. What if it's the clock, like in the corner of your Windows screen, your computer screen? You have to do it no, then? not that. No, not then. But well, like, actually, yeah. I now you will. Yeah. Now you will. I would have to. I've never really noticed it, but like here, this clock doesn't bother me because it also counts down the seconds. So the one on the the one on your uh, audio vault. Yeah, it's mostly an hour minute thing for me, but um, when it involves seconds, I'm okay with it. But. Yeah, I have to. I actually woke somebody. I've, I've woken people up in the middle of the night because I'm like reaching for the clock over someone. That's odd. It's like, yeah. I mean, I say in a massive understatement. <laughs> you what if there's talking to Look, I mean, no, we're I'm meeting the kettle here, folks. Hey, it is, my sister has the same thing though. She does the same thing, but she also has to. Um, 
we have a weird thing with kissing things. And she also has to um, kiss the um, kiss her hand and then touch the dashboard when she goes through a yellow light. Mm. Now, from where does like your clock thing? The kissing of the hand is oddly specific, and that you and know. Heather I both do it. People did it, like kiss the clock, because it's you know two twenty two. Clock. Or maybe it's just me. Uh, so the, the, the and so you both kiss. Is it always the right hand? Yeah, I'll just do. Like that. Odd. I, it is odd. And I mean, I, you know, you know, I'm not passing any judgment. No, it's I'm fine. Nice. I, you know, I'm, for, I'm fully aware that it's kind of kooky. No, I mean, I got, I got all kinds of, uh, I got all kinds of weird. But that's the new one. See, so as we slowly, you know, talk about the stuff, then we can each unveil one more crazy thing. I'm trying to think. Of, well, I'm trying to think if there's more that I have. More, it started out as a luck thing. So it's like that's good luck, and so, right. um, and a luck thing turned into a. Uh, it, Twelve years later, it's an obsessive thing. No, it is totally an ingrained part of. Well, you know, I got to say, actually, the um, uh, this morning, I had this whole thing where I couldn't find, I couldn't find the pen that oh, I use for show pen? things. <laughs> yeah, because I have an upstairs pen and I have a downstairs pen, and they're both. And Tom, he cannot use his downstairs pen upstairs or that, vice versa. And and the weird thing is, they're both the same kind. They're both the Pilot Precise V5 RT. Ooh. But I have one that I use upstairs and one that I use downstairs, and I can tell them apart because the one that I use downstairs, I've taken the little clip or the pocket. Whatever that thing is called. Sure. That thing that hooks it inside your pocket. I take it and I and it's bent to the right. So that's how you can tell that that's the one for down here. But I have one for upstairs and one for downstairs. The one for upstairs I use all day at my desk and then it goes back in my day planner hooked inside and then I close it. But I can't use it for down here. So <laughs> Is this, it the gravity thing or what? Does it not like the dark? That wouldn't even make it. Don't you have? See, there isn't really an explanation for it because you have an explanation as to why you have to alphabetize those things. It's just something so I can you, find. He's going to give us some crap about doing a good job, <laughs> so I can find the story. And too often, it's like, where was it? What if we mess up the order of your papers, Tom? What if we? What if they weren't alphabetical? Would it? Would it? Freak, would it kind of would wig it you out? You a little bit? Would you feel uneasy? No, because now I'm looking at them and I see they're not. But okay, let me ask you this. Let's just back up for a second. Yeah, you need to give us something because now we've. Okay, well, like Sarah, when I get to those numbers on the clock, like one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, like at twelve thirty-four, I'm right. surprised you guys didn't notice it fifteen minutes ago. I lick my fingers, stick them in an outlet. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. I, the closest thing you I have is. You know what? Now you know that you're that you're the, worse than all of us because you're hiding. Well, the no. Shame. The, the only thing I was thinking of. I mean, really working. Don't here, deny, Tom Parker. The closest thing I can think of is like spilling salt and throwing it over your left shoulder. I do that. I don't know why they, that's one of those old wives' tales. That's like... Tom doesn't believe in her soul to us. You know, Tom, I feel like I thought we had a connection over I know, really. I just told something uh, that was kind of embarrassing for me. I'm sorry. I thought we were all kind of bonding. I'm sorry. No, listen. Uh, we should probably call my wife because she could give you legion okay. stories. I I got a phone right here. Yeah, I don't think this would be a good idea. Yeah, hey, Richie, try to uh, try to figure what out how to get What time do you have to get off the air? I'm sorry? Well, well oh, you I have can... to be with, uh, you know, what, listing can... things until 7 or 8 o'clock no, tonight. Stay all day. Nobody to tell me no. I'll like us. Uh, if I think of something, I promise you, I'll tell you. I promise. But no, no counting stories. So about the closest thing I ever came to, to doing the business of walking down the street. Right. Know, when you do mornings now and then on radio, you get up at 3 in the morning mm-hmm. or 2 in the morning, and you're always like you have the flu because you never have enough sleep. No, you always feel bad. It, it always sucks forever yeah, and ever. Like you, ha- but you, you feel sick. You constantly. feel like you have yeah. the flu. Yeah. And you're always just, you're sleep deprived, which is what they do to break people. To, you know, this <laughs> what they, Guantanamo. Forget about waterboarding. Just give them no sleep. And, and so I'm walking down the street in Portland one day. And I'm dressed really nicely. I'm going to some meeting. And I've got a coat and a tie and slacks. And I've really laid this out the night before pretty much. And, and now I'm going to this meeting. And it's after the morning show. And I'm walking down Broadway. And I'm looking down at the ground. And I don't think I'm counting cracks. But I'm walking down. Walking, walking, and I'm looking at my shoes. Like left, right, left, right, brown, black, brown, black. Oh, no. And I had actually put on one shoe. I had two different shoes. I don't think you really... Okay, I believe you now, actually, that you don't have any OCD things, because I think you don't... I was trying to make stuff up. I, yeah, because you don't... Well, and just, I don't think you grasp the whole... Which I guess is good for you, uh, that you're not nutty. I so, like watching Monk. Does that count? 
No, no, it really no. doesn't. Sorry. No. Right. Are you wearing Stetson? No. What are you wearing? What cologne are you wearing? It's called Boucheron. Boucheron? Boucheron. Is yeah. that French for Stetson? Uh, yes, exactly. It means I mean, a big hat with a sweatband. Right? I have to say, for all the world, it smells like you're wearing Stetson cologne. I'm not complaining, mind you. I'm just saying. I'll have to investigate, but I don't think it is. Uh, mm. Speaking as a man who wore Stetson all the way through high school, because you could buy it for a dollar, yeah. uh, i got to say, it smells a lot like that. No offense. Uh, back in high school, unfortunately, I hate to really date myself, but we're talking about... Oh, uh, English rhyme leather. With Paleolithic? English leather, you know. English leather or nothing at all, Tom Parker. Just, just like 99 told Okay, fi- final just observation, then I swear to God we'll do more news here. I, I wore Stetson until I got a job uh, when I was like, I don't know, I guess maybe 15 and a half, whatever it was the actual work, you know, work age was. When I got like a real bad high school job, then I moved up to English leather. Okay. Because you could buy this bitchin' thing where it was like, they would, you'd get like this really trashy, like, um, sort of pseudo, like, shave kit. Oh, yeah. But it was like made out of like plastic and crap. And, uh, but you would get three things. You get the English leather, uh, cologne, English leather aftershave, aftershave lotion, and English leather bar of soap. So that, I mean, really, so that you could be assured that every single pore of your body, uh, would smell like a chemical plant, and that every single person you knew, would know like three miles before you got there that you were on the way. So I really reek. No, no, no. You're, no, you reek of professionalism, Tom. That's <laughs> a not of OCD, Tom. And not of Stetson. No. I'll yeah. share another one later, Sarah, that's okay, not made up you. so you I'm can feel more. Very... Do you want to hear it now or do you want to hear it later? I'll, I'll hear it now. I'm feeling very vulnerable. I'll send you something, I promise. No, I you know, don't turn this into a den of lies, Tom Parker. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, now you're becoming OCD about fabricating some OCD <laughs> thing, and I won't have it. Uh, uh, one more. And I, this, is, this is a mild one, but I do this every single day. Uh, and, in fact, you've probably seen me do this, Sarah. I have a yellow legal pad. And by the way, I have to have, if I have to use another color legal pad, I can do it, but it makes me really freaked out. But I have a yellow legal pad that I do this matrix on every day that shows kind of a general structure of what's going to be on the show. Sometimes I follow it, sometimes I don't. I can improve um, that. So I do that. But then every, I almost feel like I want to, like I want to act it out here. Um, but every day, let's see if I can find a page. You know, here's the thing. I, say, I can't act it out because I've only got one more page after today. And if I use that page, then it's all going to be wonky. Well, I'll do it. Okay, so every day at the end of the show, I will tear off a cross. Like, whoosh, I will tear off the top of the, you know, the, the page from the legal pad. And, you know, and then when you tear it out, when you tear a page out of a legal pad, it gets kind of a ragged thing at the top. Uh-huh. And there are these little sort of torn pieces of paper that sort of stick out. But I can't have that. The top of the page has got to be smooth. I do that. And I without do. tears. So what I'll do is I will actually start and I will tear the entire top of the page off. So that there are no, like, tears in it. Okay. So that there are no little flaps sticking out. Then I have to turn it face down, must be face down, and it must go face down inside the legal pad on top of the previous day's page. Then I must take all, and I do this every day at 3 o'clock, I must take all of the used pieces of paper from today's show, post-it notes, news stories, things I've jotted down, I stack them all together, and I twist them uh, almost like you were twisting a candy wrapper, uh, like a like a like a hard candy wrapper. I will take them and I'll put my hands in the middle and I'll do like you're giving somebody uh, what we used to call back in the pre-PC days, what one used to call an Indian burn. I will uh, take them and I will twist them once and then I must throw them in that corner trash can. And I do this every day at the end of the program. And sometimes if I tear the top of the legal pad uh, paper, if I tear it wrong, I will tear it over and over. I'll tear it until half the page is gone. Uh, just so I can get to the point that there are no little flappy parts sticking out of the top, because because I because even just thinking about it, 
it's like it makes my shoulders kind of <laughs> twitch I, somehow. Can I ask you something, sir? Yeah. Are you getting $600 a day? Because four hours of psychiatry is that. Dude, you don't it even is, know. It's, yeah, it's therapy. Every the only day. thing that's missing here is a couch. You have no idea. I talk about more on this show than I do to my actual therapist. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right. Well, my therapist, my shrink told me that I... Ah, never mind, never mind, never mind. That's a revelation for God. another day. Can we just read the show Two Crazy People? I'm sorry. You're listening to KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio family. We are the Tiffany Network. Sorry you're not doing any actual news, Tom. I feel like a jerk. Here's Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Uh, Dateline Indio, California. A man who filed a multi-million dollar palimony suit against entertainer Liberace in the early 1980s is in a Riverside jail sale waiting to serve a four-year term in a state prison in a Coachella Valley burglary drug case. He goes as... Now, this is amazing. How do you come up with this as a name? He goes as Scott Thorson, but his legal name is Jess Marlowe. Thorson pleaded guilty to one count burglary, two counts methamphetamine possession, driving under the influence, and counting how many unbroken steps he took walking down the sidewalk. He was moved from the Indio cell to the Robert Presley Detention Center Thursday. Thorson's criminal record dates back about 20 years. 49-year-old claims he was Liberace's five-year live-in boyfriend and filed the $113 million lawsuit in 1982, alleging the pianist had broken financial promises to him. Uh, Liberace died at the age of 67 in February of 67 due to complications from AIDS. A big shock that was. Uh, so, so, wow. Uh, so here's my observation about that. Um, I don't even know what I was what I was going to say before this. Here's the weird thing about that guy. A. This is the boyfriend story. Jess Marlin and Scott Thorson both sound like their names from like sort of cheesy romance novels or soap operas. They do. But what about just you know Jess Marlin? Well, I don't know. Scott Thorson's going to be here tomorrow and he'll figure it all out. Here's the weird thing, and I've told this story before, and Court and Fatboy I was telling them about this. When he says he claims he was Liberace's live-in lover. Here's what indicates that that's probably true. Liberace spent, and they did the whole E! True Hollywood story about Liberace, and this guy was interviewed extensively. If you ever see this guy on TV, you'll know that it's true, and it's freaky, man. It's a clone, wasn't he? Mini-me. Liberace, yes, spent like 300 grand in cosmetic surgery to make his boyfriend look exactly like him, Liberace. So there's Liberace. <laughs> the clinical term is just sort of humping it out with some guy that looks exactly like him. I mean, it's like, it's the... Freaking weirdest thing, man. Probably told to go F himself one too often, and it, it, it was just short thought pattern from that point on. You've always wanted to say stuff like this on the radio, haven't you? Yeah. Between like be, between like a, a you know sugar shack, uh, you know, and and uh, you know and any of a number eight of miles high. Any pendergrass dogs, yeah. yeah. You know, we should have had you prepare a top five. I'll tell you what, because we're <clears> going to be doing this for the end of the year, uh, bringing in laid off media people to fill in for the laid off Tim Riley. If we have you back at some point, yes. Um, would you like to, which I think... Wait, I can pencil you in sometime between now and forever. Tom Parker, yeah. would you do a ramp-up of a song if we picked one? Would you hit a post for us? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'll do anything. Hey, do you know there is radio, a song? Radio is great. I'm, I'm assuming you know there's a song called Mr. Skin by Spirit, which was one of the best talk-up songs of the 70s. Spirit, of course, best known for? Uh, the, 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 now I can only think of Mr. Skin. Well, they did a song called Fresh Garbage, which a lot of people know. Well, they did another song. Uh, which is... a big hit. Which is what? Uh, now you're making it up, see? You're, no, 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 There is no, no, no other hit. You're lying. Yes, there was. Yes, there was, and it was a hit. We're going to sit here in radio silence until you come up with it. Mr. Skin was what we call a turntable hit because disc jockeys loved it because we could hit all these different posts and uh, and things in it while we talked to them. There was another song by Spirit. Call in, please. Uh, and by the way, there was a response to Goofy you have teased oh, me with. I got to get the. Uh, no, no, no. I got to get the. Uh, I'll do the. I'll do the grimace thing here in a second. Uh, real quickly. So the. Uh, but at some point, if you if you feel like you're willing to endure this again, we'll have you do a top five. We do a musical top five a few yeah. times a week. I'll have you do the top five songs 
you most loathed playing as a DJ. So yeah. just uh, oh, FYI, yeah. Sarah, what do we uh, what do we have over there? I have a special gift for you, Tom. You ready? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the thing. And you hit the I didn't recognize on this? it because it seemed like it was a lot better than this at the time. They all do. Okay. They all do. In they? retrospect, uh, all the that's things Mr. you thought Skin, were great as a DJ. She found it. That's that's amazing. That's you, could you hit the post? Only if they were all written down and I had a clock timer at the same time. Uh, uh, I wonder how long the post on this song is. Well, we'll figure it, it out. Sound like about three or four seconds. Uh, it's, it, we'll continue with the news here in a moment. We should get. I feel bad. We should get some of these calls. Hi, and then I'll answer the grimmest thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sarah Adams, the case may be. Amuse us. I was uh, just going to ask you and Sarah to kind of back the crazy off just a little bit. I think you're scaring Tom to death. I got one foot out the door here. I'm just well. I was just going to get in say line, that, friend. Listen, I, I, I've been listening to these guys for quite some time. I, they're harmless. They really are, Tom. But uh, God Almighty, you know, it's just a, just a little out of control there. Harmless today. but crazy, sir. By the way, here's the subject. Just to counterbalance your email, uh, your call. This email says, Sarah, your OCD makes you way hotter. Like all caps, so. All right. Anything <laughs> no else today, sir? deny that. All right. Thank you, my friend. Could she be hotter? All right. Thank you, Tom. She's lovely. Thank you. Wasted on radio. You and I, Rick, however, deserve to be behind these microphones. Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay. I think that, um, I think that as uh, the minutes go by here, I think this veneer that sort of hid the, uh, <laughs> that hid the real Tom Parker has been effectively worn away. And i got to say, I like it. I have to say something. I've been listening to Tom Parker since he was at KXL and, and K103 years and years ago. I am a huge Tom Parker fan. Oh, my goodness. And you guys could do a lot worse to, to put him on board. He's terrific. That's a ringing endorsement. I suppose you could do worse. We're not looking to put anybody on board because Tim Riley is laid off. This is like in the tw – I'm sorry, what's your first name? Dana. Dana? Yeah. Yes, Dana. Do you ever see the Ten Commandments where they say, "Let the name of Moses be stricken from the pylons and from the books and stuff like that"? You know, that's what happens to most radio stations. We're able to say Tim Riley constantly, so we're just uh, I'm just keep, keeping the seat warm till Mr. Riley resumes the position. And I love Tim. If you're listening, I love you and we miss you. But also, Rick, I had a quick question for you. Did you happen to listen to Don and Mike Monday evening? I know that's been a few days ago. Uh, Mike O'Mara. No, I did not. Uh, I typically do listen to Mike O'Mara. Monday least... evening was kind of a bad. <laughs> Monday was a bit of a day for yeah. us. Dana, what with all the hanging-outs. I, I tell you that if, if you have any access to that show at all, Phil Hendry called in as a, a guy that had written a book, and I'm, this is going to sound lame. I don't know how to put it for Phil Hendry called the Michael Mira show? He did. He was some... He was, was he a gay man and a gay journalist? No, he went. He was in high... He entered college and became a, a militia. He formed a militia and... And he and his, his... How do you know it was Phil Hendry? Oh, I, you can well, tell. I sat there for 15 minutes again. I know this story. I find I it different. I mean, look, I'm not he saying it didn't happen. Born, I... He spent a story that only Phil Hendry could. I mean, but, I don't, I'm not even going I to find it. It's hysterical. I mean, I find it... I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. It's just odd that Phil Hendry would take the time to call the Michael Mara show, which maybe he did. Who knows? I don't well, know. Well, what I'm thinking is, and this is way out there, but I, I really don't know, but mm. I'm wondering if they pay these guys to, to call and... and uh, you know. Well, that's odd. I'll go back and I'll uh, I'll go back and listen to it. Tom, All right. I'd love to hear you every day. I adore you. Right. Dana, thanks for calling. All okay, right, bye. thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, we'll do one more and we'll continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, did you ever figure out that spirit song? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, we had the, the hit, the hit, hit, and then there's the fresh hit. garbage, which is the one I know. What's the one you're thinking of, sir? I got a line on you. I got a line on you, babe. 
Oh, I know. I totally know that song. See, I knew there was a hit. Look at I, other than Fresh Garbage. Oh, Thank you. I got a line on you. I Thank think, you. and I think, by the way, on the Iron Eagle soundtrack, Alice Cooper does a cover of Spirits. I got a line on you. So, all right. Thank you for the clarifying that, sir. I appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Name dropping. Name dropping. Hey, wait. Now, walked into KFRC's lobby one day. Said, "Whose golf clubs are these?" He said, "Alice Cooper's." Really? He was there to play with our PD. Oh, bastard. No, there was Not somebody. you. I mean, kind of you. Yeah. I've been trying to get out. Can I tell you, dude, I've been trying to get Alice Cooper on any show of mine for about 15 years. Offering him a round of golf? Uh, I've, I, we've offered, I've offered, literally, no lie, I have offered to give money to the charity of his choice. Vince. But he's just like so, uh, he's just so unbelievably busy, and it's, you know, and it's so hard to get the guy, uh, to get a guy booked on, on anything. Because they his his folks kind of typically put him on rock stations. So I've been I mean we've interviewed a lot of great people, guys from Kiss, guys from all kind you know all walks of life and music. Alice Cooper is like still number one on the get list. I told Richie, and I've told everybody who's had that job before Richie, it's a bottle of whatever you want if you can get Alice Cooper on the show. So anyway, Richie, start calling golf courses. I'm just you know and the, mm. you. That's uh, how we almost did it that one time. We almost did it because Alice Cooper wrote a golf book yeah. actually last year, which is really good by the way. It's called Golf Monster. Uh, which actor great. We tried to get him on for that, and we had him at the last moment. It all kind of fell apart. So, so thanks for bringing up such a painful memory. I mm, appreciate that. Hard man. to scratch that wound. Huh? Okay, here's Tom Parker. Oh, I'm back. Do we have to do an ID? Should we do that? I already did the legal ID. But... Okay, fine. A Chrysler 300C owned by Barack Obama until 2007 is currently for sale on eBay at a list price, a little over the fifteen thousand one hundred dollar Kelly Blue Book price, eighty five grand over. I'm this listening... is for what? Barack Obama's 2005 300C, a Chrysler that maybe would fetch $15,000, and that was before oh, okay. they started giving right. cars away. As of this morning, no bids. Seller explains, as stated in the title, this 300C was previously driven by Barack Obama 2004 through 2007. Now, personally, I think you could probably get more for the seat that Tina Yothers sat on over here. Yeah, but you know, the seat that Barack Obama. Who wants Barack Obama's car? I mean, as time goes on, you're going to clone him off of this. It's got to smell like smoke, right? Because he's like the world's worst closet smoker. It's is that true? Like Do we, is that the case? Do yeah, we know that Barack Obama is a secret uh, smoker? He, he and Laura Bush are like you know, or like a, smokers. So is it like an open secret? His uh, his smoking. He was down to four cigarettes a day during the campaign. Oh, but yeah, you know what? On Tim Riley's last day. Remember, he was talking about how Barack Obama had sworn that he would not smoke. Oh, that's right. In the White House. But you know, but I, but here's the, but see, but that he's going to do that Jed Bartlett thing of just then stepping out onto the uh, back patio next to the Marine or whatever. So, um, but you know, it, look, I have to tell you, even on uh, Monday, um, Sarah and I, Monday and yesterday, I think, and and Sunday, in fact, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Sarah and I made repeated trips to the plaid so that I could, and I have tried to get control of my diet recently, but so I could buy just piles of crap junk food and uh, viso, and so Sarah could get more cigarettes. So I can't even imagine the amount of nicotine and whatever that Barack Obama is going to be. No. And here's the thing. I'm not saying this is the case. I'm really not. I don't pretend to know. Rick Emerson is not an authority on these things. But but that's never stopped you before. No, okay. not at all. Uh, so don't you speculate that when you're president that they have that they have like some secret Dr. Nick kind of guy oh. who just has all kinds of drugs that they'll give you? Mm. I mean, I'm not saying illegally. I mean, I'm sure it is legal. I'm sure they've codified it into law. Yeah, JFK was getting behind loads full of, you know, cortisone. B- B12 and cortisone and who knows what else. Yeah, well, and uh, yeah. I also believe <coughs> penicillin. Um, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, they, I mean, I just sort of take it as, as read that there is some legal structure that they have set up so that if you are a president... You're getting jacked up on medication when you need it, which I again I can totally understand because I mean if you if you are in the military, there was another thing where we bombed didn't we? And I think this is true. This is not like a South Park thing. Didn't we bomb a bunch of Canadians a few years ago because our pilots were all uh, whacked out of them amphetamines? <laughs> I'm not you're laughing. Story. See, I didn't laugh. 
They're Canadians. You don't laugh at They're still people, Tom. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I don't I don't recall. I think but because we, they're Canadians, they never would have complained. I think we had a Thanks, buddy. I think we had a story uh, a few and I, you know what? Some of my best uh, some of my relatives are Canadians. So I can say I can make those jokes. Um I actually my brother-in-law's in the Canadian Air Force, which just sort of boggles the mind. That's like whole new levels of pointlessness. But um but I think we had some story where there were there were US Air Force pilots who had been awake for a long time on like stims of some kind, the stimulants. And their judgment had gotten a little uh, twitchy, you know. What's over there? I vomit. And, and then, but they were Canadians, uh, and you know, but then they were. There was this whole sort of pulling the the lid back and exposing how, if you're in the military, you're given drugs to stay awake and to fight and whatever. I've always taken it uh, for uh, as read that two things. One, during his whole trial, O.J. Simpson was just gacked to the gills on something or other. Because, I mean, O.J. Simpson, I believe, has poor impulse control in terms of anger. You think? And he's sitting there listening to Marsha Clark, who's like five feet away. I mean, there's an, you know, there is a smart, aggressive woman five feet away trying to put him in the electric chair, you know, or whatever. And the whole time, the fact that he didn't just go over and just cut her in half at some point during the trial is evident. That's like prima facie proof that he was gacked on something. Well, remember, when that trial started, he was sitting there the whole time, the first week or so, on television, shaking his head, saying, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Finally, that stopped. Eventually, it was just they sort of a blank through, kind they, of... But they got through to him somehow. Yeah, I don't know if there's a frontal mm-hmm. lobotomy or what. Judging from what happened in Vegas, maybe they had finished the job nature beginning. <laughs> the, the, um, uh, also, I will say... Uh, my second thing is, I you know, if you watch that Clinton thing, the uh, Clinton, you know, I did not have relations with a woman, Miss Lewinsky. You look at him, he is so stoned on something. He's unbelievably high. Clinton is there. So, anyway. He older ingested or what did you I, you know, he, I mean, obviously it had been a bit of a week for him as well. Yeah. But I think he probably had been on some sort of sedative that was prescribed to him. I assume the government has super drugs they won't tell the rest of us about. I mean, if you look at just the difference between over-the-counter and prescription drugs that we all have access to, the difference is like night and day between, let's just take cold medicine, especially here in Oregon now. The difference between off-the-shelf cold medicine and just what you can get at like a Safeway pharmacy is like, I mean, it's just an unbelievable difference in terms of efficacy. So if you figure the difference between what I can buy at Safeway and what they'll give the leader of the free world, I imagine that Obama will probably uh, kick the smoking habit because they're going to fill him full of something or other. So that would just be my speculation. He's going to have the patch from you know, nuclear patch. You know what? And I'm okay with that. If you're president, you ought to be able to get all the drugs and hookers you want. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Just get, 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 just let, get, let me keep a job and try not to let anybody else attack us. Why are people calling us? What have we done to offend them? Now? I ask myself that a lot, actually. <laughs> what um, have we done to offend them? Why are they them? calling? I don't know. Let's find out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Hey, I know you kind of moved on from this already uh, about the whole Chuck E. Cheese thing, but I actually work at the Beaverton Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, is he a rat or a mouse? Do you tell me? Well, to all the workers, he's a rat. Yes. But to all, but to all the kids, he's you no, know, he's a mouse. He's just Chuck E. Cheese. Now wait, when you say to all the workers he's a rat, but all the kids he's a, is that just perceptually, or is it actually known that he is a rat? Well, it's just perception. You know. What makes every, it? Every, every, all the workers hate you know being the mouse. <gasps> do you have to be you a know, mouse sometimes? Of course I, you do. You've well, trained. I'm, I'm actually too tall to technically yes. be the mouse. Once again, but the they, tall man they, wins. Yeah, but they've stuffed me in the, the suit a couple of times. And it's, it sucks because you you get really hot and stinky, and then you just smell like Chucky forever, and you break out, and it's just nasty. You break out. <laughs> you do. It's, it's disgusting. Um, well, we of course, we, uh, you know, and Tim Riley had a huge, had a particular fondness for mascot stories because we would occasionally have a story about some kids Finding a mascot, kicking him in the in the junk, setting him on fire, and pushing him down a hill, and it was hilarious. And one of the uh, not for him, who wouldn't laugh. <laughs> one of the one of the great, great, great high points of this show, 
of all time was our friend, uh, well, I shouldn't give his name because he's got another job now. And I want him to think he's untrustworthy. But we had a guy who worked for the WB who listened to us. And at one point, he was in like a parade of some such, some parade, some damn thing here in the summer. And they put him in a Pokemon, a Pikachu suit. And he called us from inside the suit in the parade. He's like, this sucks. It's the worst day of my life. I wish I was dead. It was like 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. Then he slowly started becoming delirious, and he wasn't making any sense. Yeah, right. because he was so hot and sweaty. Yeah, I mean, he's no fan. And you're yeah. making fun. No, he was like in a suit in the sun, no fan. And it's not like one of those Disney costumes where there's like a little air conditioning unit. I mean, he's just sitting there dying inside. He's like being in the, in the Hanoi Hilton, yeah. but it's made out of fur. Because the difference is the Disney characters, they take in and out. They watch them really carefully because right. they had enough of them probably stroke out in the in the last Oh, yeah, you're going to go, you know, go insane and punch some kid in the face. So, But he's just sitting there just going... And anyway, I... Mom, is that you? Oh, that's the thing, too. They told him, like, don't you dare take off your head, because I guess they've had incidents where, oh, yeah. you know, Mommy, Mommy, it's Pikachu, and Pikachu, what? <laughs> off comes the head, and then it's like years of therapy for oh, the yeah. kid. So, all right. Uh, anyway, so you had to be the uh, Chuck E. Cheese occasionally. The so. rat. Occasionally, yeah. All right. And they, they, you're supposed to have, like, 20 minutes out on the floor, and then, like, five minutes in the break room, so you can, like, dry all the, the sweat out of your eyes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And get a break from the kids, but it, it it usually turns out to be like you know five minutes out on the floor, or like thirty or forty in the break room. So can we call this a tie between Mr. Parker and Mr. Emerson? Yeah. A rat, a uh, mouse. So somebody, so you say she's my sister, she's my daughter. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, like one thing, um, they play the most inappropriate songs at Chuck E. Cheese. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, like, you know the song. I think... Way to put it. It's yeah. I'm turning Japanese. We'll just leave it at this. I'm turning Japanese is a song about uh, bringing pleasure to oneself in the most private of ways. Yeah, and um, they they play that song at Chuck E. Cheese, but they, they instead of saying I think I'm turning Japanese, they change the words to I want to live at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that is righteous, yeah, excellent. And then, and then like they play like like I want some hot stuff and just just songs like that where you you really are these like songs you would get please, from a music service? Please get us yeah, these songs. I, and then they, but they you've they got to burn this CD and send it to Sarah and, and Rick right away. You'll do this seriously. Listen. And they, have, but they, they, the thing is, they not they don't only play the songs, but they have a whole music video for them, like on this big screen where like you know, these kids are like you know seventies clothes like dancing and rocking out to like I want to live at Chuck E. Cheese. I demand that someone send us I want to live at Chuck E. Cheese. Someone <laughs> must obtain that for us. All right. God bless you, sir. Yeah, you too. All right. Thank you. Every time I'm there, it's like a lifetime. No, that is, that's the kind of stuff that I live for. Just those little inside stories. All right, we'll do uh, some more calls here in a few. Here's uh, Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. The uh, turkey that met its end in the background of a Sarah Palin interview. Remember that lovely scene where he had the pardoning uh, thing, and then afterwards she's out in the yards and... Indeed. Uh, has been sold on eBay, or what was once the turkey anyway. Millions of American TV viewers saw the graphic footage of the gobbler being slaughtered last month at the Triple D Farm in Palmer, Alaska. The Alaskan governor had just wrapped up a ceremony where she pardoned a much luckier turkey. The sole bidder shelled out 225 large ones on the Internet auction site to take home the now infamous bird. Triple D Farm even included a certificate of authenticity in the eBay product description. The farm said it butchers all turkeys in the most humane way possible. Mm-hmm. Triple D Farms plans to donate half of the proceeds from the turkey auction to the local Department of Veterans Affairs. I, I do uh, want to note that I think cicada-style Sarah Palin has kind of gone back into her Alaskan hole for a while because it seems in the immediate aftermath of the election, she was still sort of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, up until I think that was actually the last big media splash 
that might have been the final straw, actually, though, for her people. They right. might have finally said, like, look, why don't you just give, why don't you give it a rest, sister? Why don't you go back and run your state? So uh, that was... Uh, because... So she's gone until 2025 by your calc? Is that 17, like a Zager and Evans 17, reference there? No, no, that's 25, 25. 2025 is 17 years from now. Uh, a good locust uh, cycle. That is true. And I think we figured out the cicadas were actually locusts, but locusts weren't all cicadas, too. Mm. Anyway, but yeah, so blah, 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 and yada, yada. And she'll, she'll try to come back in 2012, but I think around 2010, somebody's going to step in, and they're going to sit her down, and they go, look, look, we've let you cling to this illusion uh, this long, but it's not going to happen, so be quiet. Uh, and anyway, let's do one more, and then we'll take a momentary pause and talk to Steve Kastenbaum at CNN. This is Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen. In for Tim Riley, who will be back any moment now. Just hold your breath, kids. Uh, Butler County, Ohio, you may think you need to be a celebrity to get your photo in a magazine. Hmm, think again. There's a new magazine out called Arrested magazine that will publish the booking photo of anybody who gets arrested in the Ohio counties of Butler and Warren. Arrested magazine says no crime is too small to print. The man who started the magazine, John Grant, says that most people like to read about crime and it can even help people find unsavory neighbors. That's a great idea. So this is where? This is in... uh... Hampton County, uh, Ohio, Butler County, Ohio. Uh, so it's like a magazine? You have to subscribe. They have to subscribe or they give it away like they would like the penny saver. You get it for a dollar. Okay. Yeah, I'd pay for that. I store. would too. We used to do this, you know, I, I finished out my high school education such as it was in Lebanon, Oregon, reading the Lebanon Distress and the Albany Democrat Herald. The one thing we'd the always Lebanon go Distress? to. Express. Oh. The, the one thing that we would go to every time, and the Democrat Herald would publish the DUIs and all these other things, the, the crime blotter, because it's, it's the way to be Gladys Kravitz when you're out in the sticks. Completely. I mean, you're sitting there reading up on Rick Emerson. And small-town uh, crime blotters are the best, too, because oh, yeah. it's always just like a guy was arrested with, like, an anaconda, you know, yeah. stuffed inside his pants while right. he was busy stealing ice cream from a baby. And there's, there's that, but then you will reach, I think, you know, none of us, of course, are of this age yet, but you will reach, a, I think, a point of demarcation in your head where you just become my grandmother and you just check in the obituaries every morning. Yeah. Just to see, you know, which of, your, which, which of your adversaries have finally been taken home to God. It's a plot, Rick. They're all dying in alphabetical order. Emerson's will be soon. Why were you saying that just now? Well, I guess you were talking about the obituaries. Your grandma but, reading them. Why did you... Oh, okay, that was my grandmother's voice. That you was your grandmother's out. voice speaking. I thought maybe that was a secret, like, uh, Mother Parker voice maybe you were putting on there. No, no. Before you put her in the fruit cellar for the night. <laughs> <laughs> but she keeps so well. Okay. Tom, I don't want you talking to that girl. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm actually pretty good. Uh, all things being equal, um, that it is, uh, I guess, in some ways, still this week a relative statement. But I got to say, we uh, have uh, a Portland, uh, a Portland media professional, a guy named Tom Parker, who's filling in for the laid off Tim Riley today. And that, and I, and I have to say, uh, you know, and I can't speak for anybody else. Just a little, little just a little personal note, and then we'll, and then we'll talk about the, then we'll talk about, you know, all manner of, uh, all manner of things. We get the, the stock market and all that to talk about, but. I, I think, I don't know if I said this on the air or not, I think I might have just said it this morning in the hallway, but actually today is the first day in quite a long time that I feel even close to rested. And I know Sarah had kind of a long night and didn't, didn't sleep all that well, but I, 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 first of all, I did oversleep this morning. So I was obviously still kind of in need of some kind of rest, but uh, I'm not fully back to being, uh, you know, rested and refreshed and whatever. Um, but I got to say today is the first day in... What seems like just this unbelievable, like blackened eternity, where I don't feel exhausted. I'm not trying to get sympathy or make people feel sorry. I'm just saying, 
Just saying, it's been one of those been, been a few days like that, and I just uh, so for and, and after a while, like Keith Richards talks about how if you sleep badly, or you know, if you're let's say, oh, I don't know, massive amounts of cocaine because you're touring with the Stones and you stay awake, that you don't have any compartments in your head for the days. It's just one long compartment that goes back for like a week and a half. It's like being actually, laid off. It, it actually starts <laughs> to affect your short-term memory, you know. Yeah, and you can't tell when anything. It, it also, because you because you lack any sort of chronological context. When did that, you know, I don't know, when did that thing happen? When did we go out for, you know, when did we go to get tacos? I don't know, dude, maybe it was yesterday, it might have been last month, I, I have no idea. So, today I'm actually feeling, I would say maybe between 75 and 80% rested, and, uh, you know, and I think we're uh, at the very beginnings of pulling ourselves up under our feet today, so it, uh, it's okay. I'm glad to hear that, you know, uh, you were talking about, Tim, uh, and, and you know it's really bad when there's layoffs at NPR, I'm reading a little thing here that uh, they've, they're they're laying off seven percent of their workforce at national public radio. Can you believe that? I mean, uh, but, uh, they've got eternal funding from the government there, and they're laying off people. I know. I mean, let me just say first of all, I don't even know. I was going to say on the one hand, I don't know who they would lay off at NPR, but I guess that's only because I don't really know what they do there. Because I guess the, the corollary to that is. They could probably lay off thousands of people at NPR because don't you get the feeling that NPR is just sort of a place where ever like there's one guy who's just responsible for like writing about salt, uh, you know, for like that splendid table show or whatever it is they do, and then there's another guy who's just responsible for like sort you know sorting the documents into different colors of paper before they're taken off to a composting pile somewhere. So you could probably cut nothing but fat at that place. Every day for a year. So they're saying they burned through all the money Joan Crock left them when she died and left them the McDonald's fortune, which was one of my favorite moments in bequeathing when she gave the money to NPR and immediately PRI, which is the the dark side of public radio, said, what about us? When you die, think of us, too. The, by the way, did you just say great moments in bequeathing? Yes. Can we make that an ongoing segment? And now, great moments in bequeathing with Tom Parker. <laughs> and then you'll talk about Enid Schlarp of Ottumwa, Iowa. Leaves today her collection of rare popsicle sticks to her beloved nephew, and then we like, uh, and then we'll have an adjacency. Right, call me anytime. Exactly. Uh, all right, whatever NPR. So you, they cut what seven percent? Yeah, I just saw this. They're going to be cutting their workforce by seven percent. Sixty-four people will lose their jobs, and another twenty-one positions will not be filled. Everybody I know who works for National Public Radio, they're all freelancers. And I was going to go ahead. You, you know, you go out there, you pitch a story. You sort of fund it yourself, and then you sell it to them. See, you know? I have. The, I, I was going to say, this sounds crass. This isn't really what I mean. I was going to use the. I was going to say a flip line about this is me pretending to care about NPR, and that, that's not what I mean. But I. It's just here's the thing, and I think I speak for all of us in this room, certainly for for Tom Parker, who is a man not unfamiliar with the economic realities of of radio. Um, I have no idea how NPR works because it just seems like, really, it just seems like this place where you could just get. It seems like one of those places you hear about, like Google or, you know, maybe the glory days or some of those Cupertino companies where it's, well, you know what, today we're just going to pay everybody in the graphical user interface department to just, just dream. You know, I want you guys to just go, go into the, com and it's like Steve Jobs in a turtleneck going, I want you to go into the cafeteria and, you know, just today at Apple, you're just going to be paid to be. And I just want you to just think about what makes you happy. Because what makes you happy is what's going to make Apple happy. And what makes Apple happy 
is what's going to make our customers happy. So just be within yourself today. And then you're like reading this in the paper and you're unemployed going, F you. So that's what I think about when I think of NPR. But I guess maybe not. So I guess when it touches NPR, that's like a real, that is that is an, an actual real recession even beyond what we've known. So, so you've got like 900 people standing around there thinking of salt. Exactly. I wonder if the, here's, hey, who wants to hear me do bad comedy? Sarah, you went to an open mic night last night. Oh, God. Who wants to hear me do bad stand-up no, comedy about NPR? Please. Thank you, Tom Parker. God bless you. I wonder if the layoffs at NPR uh, go like this. Coming up, Janice Mikowski will be told that she is redundant. A little later on today, Bob, who works over next to the accounting office, not the one with the red hair, but the uh, one with the flaky scalp that sometimes uh, results in lots of dandruff on the back of his chair. He's going to be let go, but, um, you know, we're going to lie and say that that's not because he keeps groping the girl who brings in the pastries. And uh, finally today, uh, you know, we're going to spend uh, a few minutes uh, with uh, Jonathan St. Cole, and he's been <laughs> with us for a few years, and... Frankly, we've been looking for a reason to fire him at NPR, and this economy will give us some cover. That's firings coming up today on NPR. We now break for station identification. I thought it was pretty realistic, except for it was a little speedy. Yeah, because they take longer than that, and then they work in some natural sound of the calculator or the the computer booting up, and it takes that. Takes and then occasionally, time. just like like, uh, and then occasionally, just some Miles Davis in the background to let you know they're smarter than you are. That was a quarter hour segment at least. That's <laughs> what I do. Cume decor, baby. Do you uh, think they get Garrison Keeler from a Prairie Home Companion to break the bad news to the employees? It's another day in Lake Wobegon, and everyone is drinking and beating their wives. <laughs> Maybe I mean that's not you know that's, I'm just insane. I I just try to think of weird oh, things for Garrison. He'd be talking about shoving them down a hole in an ice fishing shed. Wow, that escalated. Uh, <laughs> and I can't really see, and I can't do a Garrison Keeler's voice. The Knights of Columbus are helping with a mass burial today, as another winter is filled with suicide at Lake Wobegon. <laughs> Yeah. Boy, the show was really do... gone in a dark direction in the last half an hour. Weren't you doing an interview a little earlier? I quite like you, Tom Parker. <laughs> um, well, I guess we can actually kind of bring it all around. I know you. I don't even know. I'll just say this actually. Uh, really, uh, one of the one of the great terrible things about uh, working right next to Tim was that I would constantly know how the market was doing, which is a thing I would try not to pay attention to uh, at least over the last few, like the last two months. I've just I've quit looking because what am I going to do? But Tim would constantly just he'd he'd open his he'd go online he would look at his little portfolio or you know whatever the, the, the stock market thing and he would look and he would just kind of go. Yeah, and he would shake his head angrily and like close the whole window. So I don't even know where the market is today. What is uh what is up with that? An area man wants to know. We're up uh, seventy points right now. The the folks on Wall Street, the investors, are pretty optimistic about Detroit's uh, potential for getting a fifteen billion dollar loan from uh, Washington D.C. Uh, the lawmakers there are still, of course, debating this, but uh, the guys on Wall Street are pretty. Optimistic about it becoming a reality, so uh, you know they're they're buying stocks today. All right, and I guess they, we won't know. There's no timeline in this auto thing, right? I mean, there's no. I mean, they're saying like it's sort of in in the pipeline or whatever they were saying about Hillary being Secretary of State forever. But I mean, there's no like like no one knows when if that's going to come together. Because I talking to Lisa, Lisa said they couldn't even agree if it was 15 or 14 or 12 or nine. Yeah, it, it's 
it's a, a ways away from being finalized, let alone voted on. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's really not clear. The whole thing is just a... By the way, I think if it's all the same to you, I know you teased the sodomy story yesterday, but I think we might go yet... Tom just gave me the greatest look. You teased the sodomy story? <laughs> well, Thomas... How about I leave you on a high note and, sure. and just play you the best actuality from the Brooklyn District Attorney's news conference yesterday uh, in describing the allegation uh, um, levied against the police officers sure. involved in this incident. Okay, this is Brooklyn District Attorney uh, Charles, Charles Hines. Shortly after, many of us reoccurred, and as he lay face down in the token booth, it is alleged, the police officer Kern took his retractable baton and shoved it into Mr. Menio's, Menio's anus, resulting in an anal rectal tear. There you go. I think I speak for everyone when I say wow and ick. Yeah. Thanks that's, for that, Steve. It's the lunch hour here on the West Coast. Is this, <laughs> is this sort of a, uh, in, like, whatever might be going on in your life, at least there but for the grace of your police department, go you. Yeah, well... I like how they have to know there was a retractable baton, as though that matters. Who cares? <laughs> oh, no, but a rigid baton, that would have been just too much. I uh, One of those standard batons, that's that's over the line. What is wrong with people? I don't... And what's really crazy about this story, and I know you didn't want me to do it, but... No, I'm what's really it. crazy about the story, because it's all been duck soup so far, <laughs> is that it actually happened in a subway station. You know, with Abner Louima, it all took place... In a, in a bathroom in a precinct. House, right, right. You know, this supposedly happened, you know, pretty much out there in the public. I like how they say supposedly, as though there's any mistaking those injuries. I mean, the. And by the way, can I just say, face down in a token booth is no place to be sodomized. I mean, you know. Where, I, where is, Rick? What? <laughs> then you're implying there is a place to be sodomized. I'm just saying. There is such a thing as relative good, you know. <laughs> so at least he had his dignity. Is that what you're saying? Not well, no, because face down in a token, you don't know what's on that floor. <laughs> well, let's remember, you're just you're innocent until proven guilty. Just remember. And by, when you say you, you mean the police officers. I mean, presumably me as well. Well, anybody, anybody who has an allegation levied against them. Yes, so. that's the worst thing I've ever heard. By the way, that uh, that soundbite you played. So, so thanks for that, Steve. You know, we were listening to the news conference yesterday. We were like. What? What did he just say? And he thought, by God, Rick Emerson's got to hear this. His yeah. audience will be—they'll be paying the most rapt attention ever to this. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess my stock losses look relatively minor compared to that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Steve, All right. God bless you. Are you on tomorrow, sir? I'm on tomorrow. Then I've got a couple of days vacation. Gonna gonna try skiing in the Catskills, but I don't know if the weather is gonna cooperate. All right. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, attempt to talk to you tomorrow uh, on the off chance we miss you a uh, travel safe, but we'll uh, we'll most likely hook up with you tomorrow. Okay, take thank care. you. Steve Kasten out, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Tom, on a scale of 1 to 10, how awkward are you feeling right now about, oh, I don't know, everything? I, I don't think it's awkward so much. It's sort of in a state of, I don't know, shock. It's like driving by an accident scene, <laughs> something like that. I have to look. I shouldn't, but what I've about, got to look. What and, about PTSD kind of a thing? And, and it's like bad Santa. You know you're going to hell for laughing at it, but wow. you can't help. Get in line, friend. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sarah, I did, we... Yeah, I did some investigating, and I have a surprise to come uh, to go into break with. So... Is it that is it that one of us won't be here when we get back? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. The CBS execs want to see you. They've got a retractable baton. <laughs> wow, that is so great. See, and I couldn't have made that joke just now. If I hugged, I'd hug you. We're not gonna hug. All right. Uh, well, let's let's take a break. Is this when we come back, Sarah? That you'll play this? 
That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll play it coming back. All right, we'll take a break. If you're on hold, hang tight. we got more calls to get to. Don't forget, uh, one random caller today wins a copy of Hellboy 2, Golden Army. Uh, we've got somebody here who was just laid off who's going to speak with us. So your phone calls on the way. More from uh, CNN via Jim Root. More from Tom Parker, God willing. And uh, the top five. Here's Dio. Don't go anywhere. Chuck E. Cheese. You know, even when the guy was describing it earlier, I somehow knew logically, I mean intellectually, that it existed. Yeah. I don't think I was really prepared for the full horror of I'm turning Japanese into I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We have uh, a middle picture for you. Just imagine for a second a, a chloroform soaked rag. I think we can fix that whole thing. Anyway, he's Tom Parker, kids. Uh, so I just I'll, I, this is a good time to reset, by the way. So, of course, um, Tim Riley's last day uh, was Monday, and uh, the whole story is posted at rickemerson.com. If you are playing a little bit of catch-up, uh, not the gloss over, but I just uh, we got everything. If you go to rickemerson.com and, and myspace.com slash rickemerson, you can kind of read a whole, you know, the whole, the whole background and, and kind of how we're going to progress. So what we're going to be doing is for presumably the remainder of the year, 
The laid-off Tim Riley will be uh, filled in for by a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. Yesterday, Byron Beck. Uh, today, Tom Parker. Tom Parker uh, heard uh, Tom Parker heard on Portland radio since the 20th century. KGW KXL 13 years on K103 as well as Kissin and uh, laid off along with the entire staff at CBS radio station KF. RC in San Francisco. We'll do uh, some more news here in just one moment. Then Mr. Skin later on, Jim Roop, top five. It's all very exciting. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, yesterday around uh, the end of the show, you had, I think it was actually the last caller, you had a guy who was pretty random talking about Longview and hearing you with yes, some kind of yes. religion mm. thing going on. Yeah. Well, Randomly, I'm driving in Longview, and I know what he's talking about. I think there was he was saying there was North some Station. sort of uh, there was like yeah. a bleed over happening if you were near Longview yeah. yesterday. I think is yeah, what he was saying. Yeah, and I'm in Longview, and there is um, some woman's voice coming over the radio when you know you're talking. So Fantastic. At first, I was looking at him yesterday, like God, this guy's crazy, but I hear it. Is it sort of freaking you out? Like it's a, is it sort of like a you know two voices in your head at the same time kind of a thing? What is she saying uh, right now? We're sending secret messages. God, you know, I turned Kill. the radio off, so I can't hear. Kill. So. What? Um, I turned the radio off. I oh, can't hear okay. it right now. Well, all right. Well, so that that does actually explain a lot. So there was a yeah, there's some sort of bleed over from this religious station in in Longview, where I guess yeah. that's a place where you need Jesus, I suppose. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye bye. All right. Thank you. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick. How you doing today? Hi. What's up? What do you got? Um, I was uh, laid off today by Yahoo. Oh, uh, so you don't Yahoo. I'm sorry. No, That's a terrible no. thing to say. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. No, yeah, they they, uh, they fired 1,500 people like worldwide. Oh, and, really? And, and I was one of those 1,500 along with my roommate. I mean, I found the fact that it's worldwide doesn't make it any better. I was just going to say 1,500 all today. 1,500. What were you, yeah. what, were you doing, in, what were you doing for Yahoo? Yeah, it's like this faceless interface with us. We look at the screen and there's all these, you know, items that are all tied in. Is that your, I your didn't terminal? do anything cool. I um, I took the customer's information and gave it to the engineer. <laughs> Good yeah. reference, sir. Well done. Um, that's, and that's no that, that's no joking. That's basically what I did. Uh, and the engineer was like a, it was like a technical ticket. You were uh, yeah, like the, engineer? the customer support, email support. That's what I did. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, uh, the thing is, is um, I still get paid through February. Really? That Okay, that is pretty cool, actually. So this is I December, get, uh, yeah. January, February. So you get basically your severance is going through February. Well, no, then after February, then I get my severance. Oh, okay, wow. so actually you're getting paid through like a salary through February, then yeah, severance, I, I, then do the sweet unemployment. Yeah, and then I get my vacation payout. And okay, well, so, all right. Well, so, I mean... You know, as we sort of said uh, earlier this week, I guess if it has to happen, there's worse ways for it to happen uh, than that. I guess that is. Uh... I wasn't even expecting a severance. I they they came in because I I didn't think it was going to happen, but the managers were coming in and swooping down like vultures and picking people up out of there, saying, "Can you come with me?" Going oh. into a um, conference room and telling them uh, the part of the streamlining process, you were going to have to streamline the job. How many oh. different euphemisms at this point can we find for firing? You know, both specifically and on a mass. I mean, there's firing, downsizing, layoffs, belt tightening. Um, there's, there's, I mean, I've heard this sort of. Well, we need to. Uh, we need to become more efficient. I've heard this one. We need the company needs to become leaner. Yeah. Um, um, Jerry Yang's written a, much, a bunch of emails with those, all, like a lot of those emails right. in them. So. Were they sincere about it, or were they able to feign sincerity? 
They're managers, no. Uh, there's a great, I don't know if you, you ever saw the motion picture, remember, broadcast news, there's a great yeah. scene in there where they're ripping a bunch of people with a layoff, uh, and, and one of the senior producers gets laid off, and the, the unctuous uh, senior executive who's doing the deed says, uh, now, if there's anything, anything I can do, at all for you. Let me know. And the guy says, well, you could die soon. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, and, and as you said, you know, uh, obviously so many people going through this right now, which I don't say to minimize. I mean, everybody's got their own their own hell and, and you're in yours and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. It sucks. I, the, as you said, part of the part of that awful thing is you're sitting there and you're trying to work. And it, and this is a weird thing to say, uh, because you don't this. It's sometimes hard to feel sympathy for certain people, you know, or, or, or uh, certain uh, departments in the company who are the ones, they're like the last face you see. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like the guy who comes and adjusts the hood right before they flip the switch in the chair at San Quentin. <laughs> hey, sorry, dude. I, uh, I know. It's, just, it's happening all over. I, uh, hold on. Bite down on this. <laughs> you know? And so it's sometimes hard to feel sympathy for some of the departments that do all of the, as they call, exit meetings. But you gotta feel like at some point it sucks to be them too. I'm mean, not looking forward to getting out of bed that day. No, and I mean they got jobs, and I know that you'd rather have a job than not. But you know, at a certain point, like the you know, you get people in certain departments of your company who feel like the Grim Reaper because it's like every time they appear, people look at them like, oh God, for whom have you come? I have come for you. And then you know, and it just sucks. Um, well. Here's a dumb question. Just it's funny because I know we got a lot of people who listen to us at Yahoo. I've seen the sort of web stats upstairs where. A lot of our listening and our streaming uh, listening happens there. Is it, I mean, is it, do you feel like it's a temporary thing with a company like Yahoo, just part of the economy, or is it just, is this part of a, an overall slowdown in the tech world? What is, to your knowledge, what's the kind of deal with that? Um, mismanagement and slowdown and everything. All right, it's, well. And your ad revenues really, are probably off substantially. That's that's the other thing. Probably. Oh, no, it's, yeah, they're, they've cut down on a lot of stuff here, even before oh. um, layoffs and I didn't even think I was going to be affected, uh, but eh, yeah. surprise. All right. Well, uh, on that note, my friend, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, you know, and I this, see now I sound like the insincere manager guy, but I, I you know, I, I get you. It sounds like you're at least taking care of for the short term, and yep. um, you know, it, it sucks to have it happen for the holidays. At least you got enough to sort of see you through to the other side of the year. So uh, stay in touch, and uh, I don't know to, to whatever extent is possible. Uh, go drink some alcohol and, uh, oh, and try to enjoy right the downtime. I got a Pat's Blue Ribbon Tall Boy right now. God bless awesome. you, sir. All right. Thank you, my Later. friend. All right, there you go. There's that guy. Wow. Tom, if you'd like a Pat's Blue Ribbon, I think we have one in the fridge. I got some Jägermeister, too. I'm trying to get my amateur status back. I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, let's do... Uh, let... This is what we're going to do. We got some calls. We got news. We got Mr. Skin. Richie, uh, we're going to call... Uh, Mr. Skin here, just just like a minute or two. I know he's running a little bit late today anyway. So let's do a couple of stories here, and then we'll talk to Mr. Skin. We'll do a couple of calls, then we'll break. Here's uh, Tom Parker filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Apropos, yeah. word coming out today from Chicago Office Depot, Inc. will close about 9% of its North American stores and cut 2,200. And this is what company? Jobs, Office Depot. Office Depot. Now, that's not the same as... I always ask this question because I never remember. But are they the same or are they one by the other? They're different. They're different. Well, as long as I can still buy my pens. And here you go. Here's here's the part. Dancing on the grave. Shares of the office supply chain rose more than 12% on Wednesday's announcement. Well, that's... How would you like that? That's wonderful. How would you like that? So on the the one hand, you don't have a job. On the other hand, uh, you know, you can actually now buy... You can buy stock in your company and see it go up because they've fired you. They got rid of you. That's correct. So, oddly, you were cheering for it. It's like Dr. Strange. Well, I'd do anything to see this company's stock price go up. Hello? Who are you? HR? When? Now? (laughs) 
Uh, every, yes. Excuse me, uh, Rick, we need that chair, and you're sitting on it. Would you move? <laughs> I fell for that more than once. So. Uh, have you ever heard that song? I wish I could find it. And we'll do one more quick story, then we'll talk to Mr. Skin. Have you ever heard that song that Dr. Demento used to play called The Job Song? Mm, I probably heard it. I wish time. I could find it. It was done by a DJ, uh, and he wrote it and recorded it after he got fired. And it's 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 kind of it's kind of cheesy. You listen to it now, the production value. He obviously did it in a production room, like late at night when a friend let him into the station. This is back before you could do all this at home. It does start with the greatest the greatest line where it's like he's sitting in his office, the boss comes in and goes, John, yes, boss. In case anyone should ask, yes, boss, you're fired. And it's just the delivery is just so great. Uh, it's just like the total uncaring voice, like. You might want to update your status to gone. Uh, all right, well, let's do this. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, our good friend, Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. How are things? Doing good, Rick. How are you? I'm good. I heard you on the Tom Likas show last night. Oh, did you? Cool. I did. Tom Likas is, uh, you know, is our afternoon drive show. So, oh, uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, That's always good cool. to get some exposure. What is uh, what is up in the world of uh, nudity and whatnot, my friend? Well, uh, big news uh, at MrSkin.com. We, we tracked down some pics of Marissa Tomei in an upcoming movie called The Wrestler. Um, Darren Aronofsky. Yes, and I'm very excited to see this. They're saying Mickey Rourke Oscar nomination uh, for this role. And uh, uh, what's cool about it is, well, first of all, I should mention, this will be in limited release later this year, but then, you know, full-time release uh, in January. They're trying to sneak it in, so it'll get an Oscar consideration this year. But uh, um, what's great about it is Miss Marissa Tomei plays a, uh, stripper who actually strips and uh, some really good nudity and um, I got to say last year when I did my best nude scenes before the devil knows you're dead was was it Absolutely. and uh, it, it was great and now uh, she follows it up with the wrestler so that's really big news uh, another thing I was really excited about uh, this week is Californication has been uh, approved for a third season which is great because Showtime's doing it right they got Californication now for season three they they renewed Dexter, Weeds, The Tudors, all shows with great nudity. HBO's True Blood will be back, and Entourage will be back. So um, I've been uh, promoting how great the nudity is on this, these cable TV series. It's great to see that the uh, audience is agreeing and watching the shows and, and helping them to renew them. So I was actually is, I was watching Dexter last night, and I, I didn't finish uh, the episode, so nobody spoiled it for me. But I even Dexter, which is, of course, you know, a show about a serial killer, I needed, they managed to squeeze in the obligatory strip club uh, sequence last night, which it. is great. So have yeah. have it. Guys need that. They can't sit through a whole thing without nudity. Um, But anyway, and then finally I want to mention this. uh, I've been promoting that Jessica Biel in Powder Blue as a stripper, and the the trailer came out yesterday, and there was a lot more buzz about the movie, and she supposedly said that um, she was going to do nudity as a stripper and not use a body double. Well, now uh, today the Daily Mirror is Britain's Daily Mirror is reporting that she has a very uh, skin-tight uh, non-nudity clause in there, and mm. that she really she can show some side stuff, and it's it's really getting me angry. So we'll see what happens. Uh, none of my skin scouts have officially seen the movie, but uh, hopefully Jessica Biel and Powder Blue uh, will be naked. But now it's looking like she won't. So let me just do what happens. And let me speak on behalf of guys for a moment and say enough with like the side boob thing. Yeah. I mean, be nude, don't be nude. But the right. business of showing the side boob is just stupid. There's side no boob po- doesn't cut it. You know, it's like it's like when you used to have. I forget what it is. There was that. Uh, Tom, what was that coffee that was like half? Was it Sanka that was half caffeinated? There was <laughs> some crap. Remember, there's some coffee they used to sell that was like with half the caffeine. What is the point of that? Drink coffee, don't drink coffee. They're half caffeinated. Be a man. So, all right. Well, let us know if you hear anything else about that. Yeah, I will, but it's not looking good, which oh. is a bummer. But anyway, that Marissa Tomei actually strips when she's a stripper. So good for her. 
Yes. All right. Thank <laughs> you, my Rick. friend. Doing Take the care. Lord's work. We'll talk to you next week. That's uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. It wasn't Sanka. Sanka, I think, was fully decaffeinated. Yeah, Sanka had without San San Cafe. San Cafe was that? Was there something? But it was, That's yeah. where they got it from. It, but, it was just terrible, bland, watery, instant coffee without any kick whatsoever. It's yeah, like my you know, grandmother used to drink that because uh, she was a completely <laughs> lifeless human being. Um, here's a, you know here's a fun fact about instant coffee. I don't know if you know this, Tom Parker. This is absolutely true. When they make instant coffee, which really it must be said is an abomination under the Lord. When they make instant coffee, they'll take these like so-called flavor crystals. Mm. Which is just like dirt and plastic, uh, and they'll they'll but put clean it, dirt exactly, exactly sterile, bereft of any actual coffee. So what they'll do is they'll put it into the into the you know whatever the can or the the jar or whatever, and right before they put that paper seal over the top, this is totally true. A guy named um, Taylor Clark wrote about this in this book Starbucked that came out last year. He wrote for the uh, the Willamette. The last thing that happens before they seal the top of instant coffee, there is actually a little hose that injects a cloud, like a, 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 a flavor of, but not even flavor, like scent. But it literally is like a, like a spritz of so coffee when you scent. Open it. So when you open it, you go, ah, that coffee scent. You go back five seconds later and see if that's still there. It's not. So they just as easily could have put in new car smell. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, ladies, cheaper, and, by the way. ladies and gentlemen, filling in uh, for the laid off uh, Tim Riley, the laid off Tom Parker. We'll do like one or two here, and then we'll break and we'll reset on the other side. And then we've got some calls for you to get to. All right. Uh, astronomers have calculated that Christmas should be in June. Well, this is going to come as great news for the retailers who are looking for some more money by charting the appearance of the Christmas star, which the Bible says led the three wise men to Jesus. They found that a bright star which appeared over Bethlehem 2,000 years ago pinpointed the date of Christ's birth as June 17th rather than December 25th, which makes sense. News traveled rather slowly back then. Researchers claim the Christmas star was most likely a magnificent conjunction of the planets Venus and Jupiter, which were so close together they would have shown unusually brightly as a single beacon of light. In June? In June. Okay, here's the weird thing about this. I was actually just talking to my wife, my wife who is uh, no longer Mormon, but was raised in the LDS Church. And my wife told me, and see, just when you think you know everything about Mormons, uh, my wife told me that the Mormon Church believes that, and this is not like one of those, I hear that uh, if you go to that temple, uh, there's, a, there's a guy in there, and uh, you know, he's got horns, you know, or whatever, just like weird like myths or urban or whatever. My wife told me, though, that in the Mormon Church, when she grew up, they, they teach that they celebrate uh, at Christmas, the rest of the world, just to get along, to go along, but that the Mormon Church actually believes that Jesus is born in April. And I sort of scoffed at like, that's crazy, you know? I mean, just if you sort of accept the story in whatever sense, the idea that somehow they would like, I'm like, how would they know? If everybody says it's December, just let it be December. But this is weird because this actually sort of lends some credence to that. Yeah, All right, I mean, honey, plus, they plus they say there'd be this conjunction of planets. That would, you know, we saw it the other night when we had right. Venus and, and Jupiter out there a little bit, and Venus looked pretty bright. It was in a fairly gibbous stage. But, uh, it's, yeah, I, I suppose it could be there. Generally accepted research is placed in the activity somewhere between 3 B.C. and 1 A.D., so they got it down to, you know, 400 years. But uh, they, they, they revealed a spectacular astronomical event somewhere around the time of Jesus' birth. This is going to make it a little tough because sticking chocolate in the stocking in June is going to <laughs> Santa's going to have a whole different thing. He's going to come in more of a, well, like wearing a wife beater or something like that, maybe some shorts. It's going to be a little different than the first Yeah, you're fitting in perfectly. One uh, call, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello. Hi, it's you. Hello, sir. You're on the radio speaking to thousands. Get the phone out of your pocket. Wow. That was fascinating. You would wait too long. I would have already hung up. <laughs> well, because it sounded like he was... Now is he gone? Hello? Hello? Hi. Hello. How Hello. can I help you, sir? Oh, just standing by patiently. What's up? We have nothing else to do. Hey, I'm, listen, I'm laid off, so it really doesn't matter. I've got, you know, this is as fascinating as whatever Rick's got to say. Your timeline is elastic. 
Well, look, um, I know there's like this financial crisis and a lot of stuff sucks and everything. I just got to say, this left, this left the, for uh, Dead game, yeah. this left for Dead game is awesome. I mean, this has got to be the solution or something. This game rocks. I mean, you are so you. By the way, I would say in many ways you are the archetypal uh, analyst for the financial situation as relates to the audience and its target demographic. Hey, so, nothing else is working. We might as well just sell this game to everybody because it's amazing. Uh, so Left for Dead. So you were talking about the game Left for Dead, uh, which is a, a new first-person shooter game that just came out uh, from Valve. It's for the Xbox 360 and I think the PC. It is a zombie-killing game in which you are in an actual zombie movie, and you are dead on correct, sir. When you say it is fan freaking fantastic, and here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing I didn't say at the beginning of the show because I want to get laughed at, but now I can say it, sir. You've opened the door. Just like Sarah and I opened the door for Tom to discuss his OCD, which he's still lying about. Fake OCD. Um, I uh, had to go to the store last night to buy, I don't know, like shampoo or something. So I went to Safeway to get that. And there's uh, a Blockbuster not too far from uh, the Safeway near my house. So I go to Safeway. And I had rented Left for Dead, but I had deliberately not purchased it because I'm like, God, if I have this in the house, I'm never going to get anything done. It's like having a bag of cracks sitting in the in the closet. So I went to Safeway, and on the way out of the Safeway parking lot, I looked at the Blockbuster, and I thought, well, maybe just this once. And I went to I went to Blockbuster, and I walked in, and I went over to the shelf, and I picked it up, and it's that sad thing where the shelf is like, currently out of stock. Mm-hmm. And I went up to the front, and I go, Left for Dead? Maybe somebody returned it? Come on, help me out. And the guy's like, no, it's not here. Uh, you know, we got another store at Foster. And I said, could you call? Foster and Hogan. So the guy actually, I made the guy at the Blockbuster on Powell actually pick up the phone and call the Blockbuster yeah. on, on Foster. And he's like, sorry, dude, it's gone. So, uh, my friend, I'm with you. I actually tried two different stores last night to buy Left for Dead because it's yeah. righteous. It's awesome. And also, uh, Resident Evil, really good zombie killing game. It's been on PlayStation 2 this whole time. It's coming out for Xbox really soon, though. Check it out when it comes out because I think it's going to be awesome also. But, All right. yeah, Left for Dead is <laughs> unique and awesome. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Yes, there you go. It's apropos of nothing. I'm doing what? Where? How did we get into? How did we get into Left for Dead? No, from anything else we were doing besides maybe Atari somewhere in it the all, reference to Chuck E. Cheese. Tom, it always comes back to Left for Dead. It really does okay. lately, and Everything. because as he said, the economy sucks. It sucks and stuff. So and you might, good. You might as well kill some zombies. Back after this, kids. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here in a few minutes, we'll be rejoined by the laid-off Tom Parker, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Uh, so uh, each day, probably for the rest of the year, Rick Emerson Show is going to have a different laid-off Portland media professional filling in uh, for our absent friend, Monsieur Riley. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, James Roop. Sorry we're running a little bit late today. That's all right. Where are you? I'm sorry. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, is that better? Oh, there. Sorry. Were you in fact just not even picking up the phone? Were you <laughs> sit? Were you leaning back in a chair? I was leaning back in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. You know that's the kind of class and decorum that makes CNN the number one most trusted source of news, Jim Roop. I'm, so I'm just wiped out for some reason. Uh, you know what? Well, you. I was going to say. I understand. But look, everybody can. Everybody and I actually have been pointing it, you know, well, it's been a tough week and, and all of that. But I, if you had to, I mean, there's this horrible uh, thing, and I, and I really don't even know a whole lot about this. Um, my eye, and I will sort of preface this story by saying it, it's San Diego, but my eye always catches anything from San Diego because that's where I, you know, that's where I lived before I moved to Portland. Right. Um, so, so tell me, wh- when does this happen? It was, a jet, it was a jet that just hit, like, a neighborhood or a house? 
It was an F A eighteen, I think, and it was uh it was a marine uh fighter. It's out of Miramar. Remember Miramar was made famous yeah. in the movie Top Gun? Sure. The Navy uh used to run it up until I think ninety six. Now the Marines have it and F A eighteens have had lots of trouble. Um but no one knows if this was related to any of those problems. But the aircraft just lost power apparently. Mm. The uh pilot did everything he could and at the last minute ejected and the thing slammed right into a house. Uh, an entire family, with the exception of the husband, who was at work at the time, just wiped out. Uh, it's just, just, I mean, it's, uh, uh, there's no way to, uh, you just don't. That is one of those things where you realize in this universe there are just things, to a certain degree, uh, you you cannot you cannot plan, you cannot predict. Oh, it, it really, know. it definitely underscores the randomness and chaos that's still out there. I guess that's the point I'm trying to, yeah, you, you, that's exactly what you said, Jim. I mean yeah. that, you know, you can, you can take all the precautions you want, but the universe is a strange, freakish, and often terrifyingly arbitrary place. Absolutely. Wow. All right. Yeah, it's really well, I and I and I guess I apologize for just for being the Johnny Buzzkill with that. I know you're probably that's he, as you said you're sort of exhausted right now, but just I wanted to kind of find out the deal. What part of San Diego was it? It was near. You know, that's a great question. It was near Miramar uh, because it was on the flight oh, path. Right, I, guess. Okay. I think the pilot was returning from a mission, mm. um, and uh, but it, it hit a residential area wow. and uh, just one home just leveled, and another one. Uh, I, I think the homes on either side. Also uh, damaged, not uh. destroyed, but it was just. It, it, what happened was it took them almost 48 hours to find the remains of the infant that was in the house. Uh, just, I mean, it just, and as you said, it's one of those things where you just you can't let yourself think about these stories too much, too, because then you're just walking down the street and you're going to start thinking about an anvil falling out of the sky. You know, yeah. So. The husband uh, had a, a news conference, and you know, you, you got, this guy's got to be in shock. And he was uh, talking about, you know, how, you know, he knows the pilot did everything he could. He called the pilot a hero, called everybody who uh, is serving in the military right. heroes. I mean, he was, it was very gracious, you know, in, 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 the, uh, in light of what, what is going on. Right. I, I, you know, I just wonder if he actually knows what he's talking about. Um, but he is handling this uh, pretty well. As devastating as it is and as obviously distraught as he is, he still had time to make sure he wasn't blaming anybody. Mm. All right. Well, on that, I guess kind of a downer note, I wanted to sort of follow up on that a bit. Uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? Are you going to be around? I am. The Golden Globe announcements are tomorrow morning, so that'll be something to talk about. All right, then. Oh, hey, what's up with that SAG strike? Is that going to happen? Well, they're going to they're going to send out the ballot on uh, the 2nd of January. Then all those are going to be due and, and uh, I guess, tallied on the 23rd of January. Right. So the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards should uh, should fare well. However, we could, uh, if they go on strike, it could affect the Oscars, which right. is in February. Well, we'll see. Well, you know, you and I always root for the Oscars just to just to have to fail and go back to a series of index cards flashing on the screen. So. <laughs> That's right. All right, Jim, we will talk to you soon, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. There you go. There's Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles. All right. Um, well, let's do this. Let us uh, go to... Uh, you know, we never actually, Sarah, we never actually said this, but we we, uh, we never actually said whether we were ever going to call it the Ministry of Truth. Probably not. That is no, a, I think that is a Tim Riley term. Yeah. But, ladies and gentlemen, cue generic news open. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. The Ministry of Unemployment. Uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Tom Parker in for Tim Riley today as we wait and wait 
and wait, like the people in Casablanca, for Tim's return. A, a Murfreesboro woman says she returned $97,000 she claims to have found in a Cracker Barrel restroom. The police said Tuesday they have no report of the find. Billy Watts, 75, told the Daily News Journal that she discovered the money inside a tapestry bag hanging from a hook on a stall door last Thursday. But five days later, the money and its anonymous owner remain something of a mystery in the community where police say that they've had no report of the find. While digging through the bag to figure out its owner, she said she found a bundle of neatly stacked $1,000 bills. Well, I'm sure there's a completely legal explanation for that at a cracker... What state? <laughs> Tennessee. At a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Tennessee. I'm sure that there's nothing untoward going on with the owner yeah. of that money. I'm sure they'll, they'll be uh, calling right away to ID themselves. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's Cody Joe, uh, where are you going to put that money? <laughs> you idiot. Uh, did anybody lose a, uh, a stack of $1,000 bills with a rubber band around them? <laughs> yes, it was mine. Uh, here's the rubber band. We couldn't find the money. Uh, here's uh, who's on the $1,000 bill. Quick, 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 quick. Anyone? anyone? Is there a $1,000 bill? Yes. Anyone? Sarah? I, huh? We just learned of its existence now. I don't think it is. Grover Cleveland. You're making that up. No. You're making it up because you don't know Because you know that I Who's don't Who's on know. the $10,000 bill? See, now what you're lying. Who's on the zillion-dollar bill? Yeah, there is. A ten th- what is the highest bill there is? I think 10. Who's on it? Salmon Chase. Salmon P. Chase. Who is Secretary of Treasury during the Lincoln administration, general layabout bad guy, uh, became uh, Chief Justice Not of the a United president? States. No, he ran for president against Lincoln. He was one of the team of rivals. Okay, can I tell you, here's the difference between... But he's the, he's the guy who found the big big dough that got us through this civil war. This, the difference between you and I can be summed up in this thing right here. You know that Grover Cleveland is the president <laughs> on the $1,000 bill. I looked it up. I knew the story was coming up. I had to look. Oh, we'll see. Here's the the frightening part is I knew Sam and Chase was on the tin. Here's what I know. Grover Cleveland, huge, uh, huge rubber plug in the roof of his mouth. From what? Because uh, uh, he, he was... No, he was born with like a big hole in the roof of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And so they had at one point... I guess, and I guess now that I think about it, I guess as he must have aged, they had to find progressively larger rubber plugs. Hey, Grover, open up your mouth. Hold on. There you go. You'd be good for another 18 months. Fantastic. Why don't they have that in the trophy case over at Cleveland High School? No. Probably. Uh, the woman said she and her husband took the money home, but later called the restaurant back and asked if there was a lost and found department. She was told yes and left her number. Woman called about 15 minutes later and verified she was the owner of the identifying picture by identifying pictures left in the bag. Watts returned the bag to the owner, whom she described as an elderly woman that said she does not have the woman's last name or phone number. Uh, there's something weird about you this story. You think this one smells funny? Yes, I do. The... I don't trust a restaurant that sells brand new Kenny Rogers CDs. <laughs> she said the woman told her the money came from selling her home and her belongings and that she was going to start a new life in Florida with her son. By the way, how great is it that this woman who goes to the Cracker Barrel in Tennessee <laughs> sold her home and all her belongings to get $97,000 to start a new life? Have you looked at the stock market this afternoon? There's a lot of people would trade for that. Uh, the uh, watch says the woman offered to pay her a grand at one of the Grover, Grover Cleveland prints, but uh, she refused it. Manager of the Cracker Barrel restaurant, Bill Shoup, said no employees actually saw the money or the elderly owner or this cry for attention. <laughs> I don't know what that kind of Go story to Joe! Is. What are you number the greenbacks? Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Wow, yeah. I, I always leave $1,000 bills laying around at the Cracker Barrel. Yeah, there's something weird about here's that, a, but I'm not going to do it. Here's a Cleveland for you. Yeah. What's yeah, up, sir? Hey, uh, Tom Parker. Yes. You used to be on 62 KGW, yes? A million years ago, yes. My mom used to listen to that station religiously. I hate people like you. I listened to you growing up is bad enough, but my mom is pretty bad, too. <laughs> well, I did listen to you growing up, and in fact, my <laughs> earliest memories of listening to the radio... Tom Parker and Craig Walker over there on 62 KGW. That was us. You know, there were probably people conceived uh, to your voice, Tom Parker. (laughs) 
You know, that's funny. I mean, they're not related to you. <laughs> that's beautiful. All right. No, I get, see, and I don't get the my mom thing yet, although I do, I have gotten, uh, you know, the, you get the I, kids out of high school. Totally. I've listened to you all through high school. I've gotten, there is one uh, woman who listens to us who, and this happens to you, you moved around a lot, somebody who listened to you in one market, and then you both end up in the same market oh, yeah. again, and you're on the radio, they're like, hey, I used to listen to you when we both were in, and so uh, there's a woman out there who listened to me when she was a high schooler in Utah, and now listens to me here, and I think, I don't know, she's, uh, I don't know, she's like maybe 30 or something now, and it's just it's just weird, I mean, it makes you, it's not, it's not bad, it's just, that's, it is a really weird, stark reminder of the passage of time. Have you, well, and you connect with people, you think of it, think of this way, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name, or we don't, I guess we Your don't name is Ethan, things. sir. Ethan. I, we just, I just typically don't, yeah, just just kinda, we, we moved so, so, Ethan, let me ask you this, in this day and age, I think that people develop, you probably know more about Rick than you know about your brother-in-law, cousin, whatever, the, you know more about his life, and Sarah's by by just listening on a regular basis than most Quite of the possibly, other people yeah. in your life, and then certainly your neighbors, I bet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you have this bond with them. And so, yeah, losing Tim Riley is kind of a shock to somebody. You know, I've been listening to Rick for, what, five, six years now? Oh, he's a great, great guy. And I, well, thank yeah. you. Well, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Let's back the truck up. Rick, you had nothing to do with Tim Riley being a great guy. I'm sorry? Didn't you say you, you just said I was a great guy. <laughs> no, no. Were we referring he was talking to about me. I wasn't. <laughs> Ethan, who were you talking about, Rick or Tim? Who were you talking Back about just team, now? Sarah? Oh, okay. oh, that was awkward. Oh, that actually, actually, that's... Oh, that kind of hurt. No Christmas card. Hey, Rick, I love you guys enough that I got my daughter Mara to listen to you. All right, well, thank you. Let's so, see, that means a lot. So That's the biggest compliment that I can give. All right, and thank if, you, sir. And wait a second, if she's listening, that means your mom's granddaughter listened to me as well. Now I'm really yeah. feeling bad. Right. Well, that's what's really cool to hear you on the radio here. So, thank you. It's like two great tastes that... Until recently, went great together. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. We'll do one more, and then we'll uh, do one story, then we'll take a break, come back with the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Now, you're going to have to hit a post later. Now you have to do yeah, it. Not, yeah, no niceness. Oh, flogging. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, good afternoon. Hey. Hey, I was calling about your uh, mentioning that the birth of Christ in being in April. There's a lot of people who believe that, and it's because it's in the Bible. It says that. The angel Gabriel visited Mary in the sixth month, sixth month of the year. You know, April's the fourth month and everything, right? Well, then that's when she conceived. So nine months later is March. Give it another week for whatever, and you're into April. No. Oh, she you're not. Oh, no, the, the angel. The you don't mean month. the angel visited like, hey, come give some Mary. You mean the angel visited like, let's, hey, Mary, let's. You got a few Mary, minutes. you're going to have a baby. Let's yeah. go in the garden. That oh. says <laughs> in the sixth month of the year. Yeah. Gabriel visited Mary and told her she was going to have a baby. All right, then. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the clarification. Are you a theologian by uh, trade? I'm a member of the LDS Church. Okay, excellent. So that's why So that's why uh, the April and the, uh, the whatever, because of the six-month and the conceiving and the hey-hey. Well, that that's doesn't right. make any sense. So well, June, the, June's doable for you, too. And I, I, I guess the question is, is, is what we think of as January is month one. Well, is, hold on. Well, now I'm all confused. So... But if it's in the, don't get me wrong, sir. I know that Joseph Smith, you know, visited to, to set straight the, the religion. Well, but he's not straight. talking about Mormonism. No, no. Well, no. He, but, but, but he, but let's all stop and get a hold of this. <sighs> the Mormon Church believes, and my wife mentioned this, and you're calling to tell me the underpinnings of it, sir, that Jesus was born in April. And you know, there's a whole thing with Joseph Smith, uh, you know, where he had been visited by an angel and said, "Look, all the churches have strayed from the path of the truth and righteousness. You have been, you know, you have been visited to bring." You know, in other words, you you are you are going to be the one true church because everybody else is sort of off 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 the reservation. Um, so, but if it's in the Bible, 
let's assume for the moment that you know the Bible is. In other words, I'm going to skip the whole conversation, but well, it's just a book. But I mean, let's let's assume for the sake of argument, Bible, Word of God, and all that. If it's in the Bible, clearly, like the Catholic Church and the Pope, like they must know how to read. Clearly, they've read the book at one point. Why would you see that and then just gloss over it? Go, no, 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 it's uh, it's December. No, it says April. Shh, it's December. Why would they be doing that, sir? You know, I don't know. I I don't know the history of That's weird. Christmas becoming a worldwide holiday. All right. And I'm all now. See, I'm all confused. All right. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Choose the right. There you go. There's that guy. Uh, all right. Are we breaking, Sarah? Yeah, and then we come back and come back and get the top five. All right. So here's what we'll do. We're going to take a break. I see our friend, the low, is actually uh, on the line. So we'll get him on the other side. Hang tight. So uh, calls. More Tom Parker. Uh, you will be hitting a post. Do you prefer uh, pop or country or oldies? Uh, give me an oldie. All right. Uh, and I'll do it as well, by the way. Do you want me to have the same song or a different song? I think we ought to have different songs. Okay, right? Sarah will pick my song. Okay. I'll pick yours. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, that a, way, that give way me a zero fair. start, would you? No, 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 I'm just saying that way it's all like nobody, this is way you're not like dealing to yourself in five-card stud. Yeah, okay. All right, back after this and the top five. Don't go anywhere. Indeed, my friends. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733. us tomorrow. I didn't even finish the phone number. 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around Radio and Television, as well as, I believe, uh, the uh, scrubbed-faced uh, young, fresh guy things, whatever. I was trying to do a whole... Is this fresh scrub thing? Fresh scrub Can we face. start this whole segment again? We don't have to start this back segment. Back it up. Back it up. Sorry, give, was, me, give me another shot. Okay, let's just back up. A simple noun and verb got flipped and somebody got hurt. We're going to wrap this subject up in one minute. The Rick Emerson Show. Only on AM 970. The Talker. Thanks so much. Hey. Welcome back. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It is Wednesday. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around Radio and Television, as well as the charming young lads in Nickel Arcade, who I think are going to be in studio. Oh, that's where you were going with that. I think. I'm trying to, you know, fresh-faced, well-scrubbed, and then it all kind of conflated in my head and went bad. Uh, I believe, knocking from, I think they're going to be in the studio tomorrow, do a couple songs. they got a show coming up on Sunday. Yeah, they're actually playing with my buddy's band, My New Vice. and New Vice some benefit. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is a benefit for, uh, I don't want to bluff, it's, but it's for something serious and like cool. So uh, anyway, so th- that's on Sunday. So I think Nickel Arcade is probably going to be able to join us tomorrow in studio. Don't forget, uh, every day this week and probably for the remainder of the year, uh, the laid-off Tim Riley will be filled in for by a series of laid-off Portland media uh, professionals, um, which... Um, well, in any event, uh, which news from on the beach, we like to call it. Exactly. That's a sort of, really, you're on the beach? That sounds great. I had that, somebody say that to me one time. I better quit referring to being late off as being on the beach. Today we have uh, today we have been graced with the presence of Tom Parker, who, of course, was uh, uh, kissing uh, KG, uh, 62 KGW, mm-hmm. uh, also KFRC in San Francisco, KPAM here in Portland. Uh, on the beach, we'll get this call. Uh, we'll do like a story or two, then we'll do the top five. That's an interesting thing you say because one of the one of the sort of uh, one of the sort of areas of discussion we get into sometimes in the show is the behind the scenes lingo or whatever of radio, kind of the shop talk, which sure. you know some people find interesting, some people don't. But we you know but we'll, we'll do that every now and again because we'll stumble across a phrase or we'll use a phrase, and somebody in the audience will go, "What's that mean?" On the beach is weird because I don't think they. Do they use that in other industries when you're when you're between I, gigs? I thought they did, but you know, like you, this is my this. I don't have any marketable skills, so I really don't have any other industry in me. <laughs> 
this is all we know how to do. Um, Any other era in civilization, we would have starved. But uh, Susan and I were talking about that. You'll see it in the trade magazines where they'll say, and, uh, you know, an afternoon guy slash music director, Bob St. Bob, is on the beach after a format shift. And on the beach just means you're between gigs. You're You're unemployed. So it's like a weird newspeak kind of a thing. Uh, let's do this call, then we'll roll the top five. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, our good friend, Alo. Hey, what's happening, man? What is up? Uh, How are you, sir? You, Sarah, and uh, Tom, correct? Correct. Ah, all right, I didn't want to want to get Tim's fill-in wrong. Uh, now, first things first, I just wanted to um, express my, for lack of a better word, condolences on mm. the temporary absence of uh, one Tim Riley. Thank you, sir. Um, secondly, I feared momentarily that... Uh, Bromance was a new reality show on the escapades of black love. Um, and then lastly, I'm uh, I'm heading to uh, Cancun today. And, uh, where you'll be on the beach. Exactly. And I was curious as to whether or not there's anything that uh, Mr. Riley is particularly fond of that I could uh, locate for him while I'm down there. Point. <laughs> Pardon me. Well, forgive my ignorance because I'm a lame guy who never goes anywhere. Uh, you know, I go here and I go home and I go here and I go home. Uh, who here has been to Cancun? Anyone? Tom? Nope. I've not been. Sarah? It's on the Yucatan Peninsula, is it not, sir? I don't know. No, hey, you're I'll just getting on the plane and going someplace warm and sunny. Whatever they tell me, I'm mad. I get we got, off. We got, we got record cold temperatures coming up this weekend, and you are going to be see, you're in You're just Cancun. trying to do that Grover Cleveland is on the million-dollar building. I can hold a second. Richie Bristol, have you been to Cancun? There he is now. No. Okay, great. Uh, I I have no idea. I really don't. Sarah? What's the question? Well, he's going to Cancun. Cool something to for there. Tim. Um, I have. I really. I hate to. I is Cancun. Well, it doesn't, Natalie, you know, it doesn't necessarily got... need to be something touristy. I, is there anything that he's fond of that maybe I can find down there that may be kind of unique? Wow. I, don't, I feel like I'm just made out of fail at this moment. I have nothing. Um, wait, country. when are you leaving, sir? I feel like when, when I called and I didn't have the Mr. T in my pocket, in my pocket. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, uh, when, are you, when are you leaving? Is it tonight, tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I actually leave tonight. You know, it's going to be 14 degrees here this weekend. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, 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 I could almost muster up the, the energy to feel bad, but I, I'm not sure, sure I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll kind of brainstorm it. If I can think of anything in the next couple hours, I'll shoot you an email. But otherwise, uh, you know, just a, this sounds corny, but I think just the gesture is appreciated. Okay, well, I'll definitely do that, and I'll make sure that I'm in, in, in touch with you guys. Are you staying uh, at a hotel or something there? Uh, yeah, Mi we're staying at one of the uh, <laughs> Fiesta Americanas down there. I'm, I'm, uh, my best friend is uh, getting married. Okay, so do yourself a favor. Before you leave, just make a little you know, cardboard sign, this place where you can stick your room key in it, and a little stab that you can shove in the sand and just write across it, Waiter, bring two more. And I think you'll have a good vacation. There you go. That way you don't actually have to even have to speak to get more alcohol delivered to you. So. Wait, I am definitely doing that. As a matter of fact, I'm doing that right now. Right. Travel safe, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, I'll catch you guys there later. You go. Thank you. There's Watch a you good get thrown off the plane for the sharp object to stick in the <laughs> You know, you're all full of great suggestions. For today. other people. I'm, I'm a, I was, you're probably like me. I was a kid who sat in the back of the room and said some snarky <laughs> remark to the kid next to me, and then he'd, he'd do some response to it, and I'd just sit there looking around. Like looking at it, and as he's Christmas beaten story. by a nun out in the hallway. Oh, he's, he's, he's ejected. I'm oh, Tom made me do it. Don't blame Tom. This is your <laughs> fault, Jared. You had a choice. Yeah, Tom and... told you to jump off the cliff. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, five, now roll today's top five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here with today's top five, 
is Portland's own Tom Parker. And though music is an integral part of happiness, joy, and the million and one positive emotions required to face our daily lives, there's no disputing that sometimes the wrong song at the wrong time will simply fill you with a murderous rage. These songs are quite often the happiest of concoctions, sometimes too happy. We offer up for your dancing pleasure the top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. And uh, that HM, by the way, stands for honorable mention. I forgot. Oh, honorable mention on the list, the Brady Bunch doing It's a Sunshine Day. I think this was the suggestion of either Chris Paddock or Court. I think it was Court. Oh, that sounds like a Paddock suggestion. No, Paddock suggested the banana split, the banana splits, the tralala song. Court from KUFO. So I hit Court. What's a song that's happy and makes you want to poke people in the eye with it with a knife? And he goes, Oh, that. Uh, what's it? Da 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 da. Sunshine, Brady Bunch. So. Okay. I think we also briefly considered that um, on the face of it. We considered the uh, the Partridge Family theme too. Oh yeah, come on, get happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason Danny Bonaducci is broken. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the song. That's the best description of that guy I've ever heard. Wow, that was genius. All right, remedy so is the soul of wit, sir. Is, do we do we have to listen to all of this? Oh yeah. Well, just enough to express the horror. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Parker. I was doing fine, laying on a park bench in the park blocks, and they woke me up to come in and do the show today, and then they subjected me to this. Uh, number five on the list of the five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time, Aqua with Barbie Girl. You want to go for a ride? Sure, yes. Jump in. I'm a Barbie girl. Why does this song need to exist? But it was always annoying. It was never good. Yeah, but it's got this huge perv portion to it. This is one of those songs that exists only so it can be in that Dance Dance Revolution game and spastic children can jump up and down on a piece of plastic. But have you ever seen some kid who's scaringly good at that? Oh, no, all of them are. And a lot of them are teenage boys, which is sort of weird. And you go then, like, they got a duffel bag and a bottle of water and two towels. Like, it clearly is like that's their whole day. You're my doll, rock and roll, feel the glamour and pink. Kiss me here, touch me there, hanky-panky. Nice. Lyrics. The phrase hanky-panky doesn't really work unless you're Ricky Nelson or Madonna. Well, I think the way this works, the only way this works is he's identified as Ken in the beginning, and he's anatomically smooth, so it's okay. Anatomically smooth. By the way, when we were trying to come up with the off-puttingly happy song, this song immediately made about three of us think of the song Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks. Oh, my God. There, which we almost picked. All right, ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. Number four, Delight. Groove uh, is in the heart. Uh. <laughs> I hate this song with everything in me. I think Lisa Wood told me that the, uh, what's her guts, the girl from the, the Lady Miss Kier chick, the girl in the leotard who's irritating, that I think she was just here a while back. She was doing something like that. I hate this song. I hate this song with everything in me. You have to give you a vapor lock in your life, Chris. By the way, you should know that I almost did pick Sugar Shack for this, which is what, Jimmy Glimmer and the Fireballs? Jimmy Gilmer. Yeah, Gilmer. Fireballs, yeah. And that is, that's one of those songs that I used to have to play when I was in all these radio sugar shack. Yeah. And it just made me want to drive uh, like a meat thermometer into my ears. Uh, it's like Honey or uh, Honey by Bobby Goldsboro. Exactly. Or, uh, uh, yeah. 
You're doing this to yourself on purpose, listening to the whole thing. I mean, isn't it enough to give us the flavor of this? It's kind of a bonding experience. It's just part of the, I mean, I know we're sad Tim is gone, but I can understand why he's <laughs> nuts. Well, you know, some people play Danny Boy, you know? Yes. <laughs> some, people, some people play Amazing Grace in a bar, and then they drink. We're playing Groovers on the Heart. It's how Tim would want it. These are the top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. Tom Parker. All right, number three, Katrina and the Waves drums, please, because this is a peppy little song. If you ever heard it, Walking on Sunshine, I think she's going to scream right about... You trying to hit a post? I did. So you stepped on it. <laughs> Warded. Poor workman who blames his tools, Tom. He is a tool, isn't he? I didn't mean to talk block you just there. Wait, what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I hate this song, and I hated it then, too. I'm proud to say that I never liked this song. Way before High Fidelity, I loathed but this song. But it speaks volumes that you have selected it to play, and you are playing it in its entirety when the rest of the audience is going, we got it, we got it, we got it. Now, can I tell you this? Make it stop. When we were polling people downstairs to create this top five, sometimes I do it myself, sometimes I sort of ransack the brains of others. Every single person suggested this one. This was the song in which there was absolute unanimity. That was the most tepid whoa-whoa I've ever heard. That's kind of sad. Wow. Um, have you seen that video? <laughs> They're just going to show intervention. No. Oh, my God. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. Rick needs one on this stuff. There's this, there's this viral uh, video on YouTube, and it's this girl who's addicted to um, keyboard, like computer keyboard cleaner. Right. So she'll do... She'll, the compressed air. Yeah, so she'll inhale like uh, like 10 bottles of it a day, and they can't stop her because she's addicted. There's this one part, and she's so cracked out, and she keeps like spraying her mouth and saying how she's walking on sunshine. And somebody put a YouTube video together with this song with her doing that mock uh. think Look it up. It is... Horrible and so hilarious. I'm she's sold. doing the computer keyboard uh, equivalent she's of just, puffing. Yeah, she's just huffing it. She's like squirting it right into her mouth. And she's like, and sits there. I love the internet. All day. You know, six Fantastic. billion people in the world. There's plenty of strange stories out there. Uh, these are the top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. Tom Parker. Oh, so finally there was a point where you stopped it because it's three and a half minutes of sure hell. Yes. It yes, it is. So good. It's nice to know it stops. Well, if we could have a little whistling, I can introduce number two, please. Thank you, Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry. Be happy. And now I am at exactly the right or wrong age, depending on how one looks at it. I uh, went to high school when the song was really popular, and everybody was wearing... There was this one shirt uh-huh. that every jackass at your school... Oh, yeah. And not even a jackass... Not a jackass like in the hanging out of the parking lot, like huffing paint thinner kind of a way. I mean, it was always kind of a sort of pleasant but kind of chunky sort of shrill girl and she would wear this shirt that was really popular in like I don't know like maybe 89, 90 whenever the song came out it was like a white sweatshirt with a big yellow happy face mm-hmm. with dreadlocks mm-hmm. and then it said don't worry be happy and the worry was spelled W-U-R-R-Y for some reason and it was like after a while you just and I, the weird thing about these songs is that there is this tiny window of time where you like them, yeah, but well, it's like the worm first turns. Two times. That's the thing. It's like the worm turns so quickly. First time, great. Second time, uh huh. Third time, uh, and for, after that, it's just like you're going to aim for the head. I mean, it's just no, it's no good. I was mentioning off the air that one of my least favorite songs of all time is "Hey Jude" by the Beatles because I had to play that every hour when it first came out. See, but at least that the, the song itself isn't bad. You just got burned out on. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. If it's like "Hey" and I hit the button. <laughs> There's seven minutes. It's like a reflex test. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you, Bobby. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Top five most off-puttingly happy songs of all time. Tom Parker. 
And the uh, number one song. No timpani here? Um, Boom. The number one. That wasn't a timpani. That's a kettle drum. Isn't it a timpani like a little higher? Isn't it a timpani like a... I think I'm going to throw it over to the orchestra meister himself. There you go. Thank you. R.E.M. Shiny, happy people. Yeah. I wonder if they even sing this song anymore. <laughs> I mean, like in concert, they, they must couldn't. Not. That's when uh, Billy Joel decided he was going to quit touring. He said he was playing just the way you are and thinking about what he was going to have for dinner. <laughs> uh, the only even moderately good thing about this song was that the video had the white-hot Kate Pearson from the B-52s in it, in, like, something kind of tight. And But, I mean, that's not enough. That's not enough to get you through more than twice. After that, you just sort of turn the sound down and kind of stare blankly and wonder, uh, as you said, exactly, uh, you know, what kind of bread you'll have your cheese on. God, this is an awful video. It's an awful video. And this is an awful everything. And I, this is this is one that there was no, there was no grace period for me with this song. This song, for me, was like bad right out of the gate. Like from Jump, I hated this. All right. Well, let's in, in end yet, this. We listen. We all listen. Because then we're closer together, like the men who stormed the beach at Normandy. <laughs> Back after this with Tom Parker, Sarah Dillon, myself, Richie Bristol, like us at three, Michael Maris Show at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Like us at 3, Michael Maris Show at 7. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dennis Pitsenbarger and Nicola Arcade. Ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, please welcome once again the laid-off Tom Parker. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Yes, in just a moment here, we will, uh, let me just insert this glycerin tear into my eye because I want to appear to be in mourning, I guess, at this point. I'm going to be doing the snuff watch. There we go. This is a great awkward moment just now where... Didn't mean to leave you hanging there while I was actually mouthing the words snuff watch at Sarah, but my, I was blocked by the microphone and she couldn't quite see it. So. Can we just insert this fact right off the bat that yeah. uh, these people are not late, they are not coming. Uh, Forrest Ackerman, a writer and or editor for credited with discovering the author Ray Bradbury and coining the term sci-fi, has died at age 92. Indeed. Now known as the die guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Forrest J. Ackman, uh, some, uh, known as uh, Forrest to certain people, yeah. he also cre- he uh, founded Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. and uh, But as you said, also discovered the author Ray Bradbury, who is really just uh, an icon of uh, inestimable uh, impact and stature, and Forrest Ackerman discovered him. Uh, he's probably best known for finding Ray Bradbury when yeah. he was a teenager. And when when Ray was a teenager and uh, was looking for people to join the sci-fi club he was starting up, he coined the term sci-fi when he heard the term back in the 50s, hi-fi. That's what started the thing. And it didn't catch on until he started doing these other magazines. And he sort of had a long, uh, you know, kind of a long, bad, uh, bad death. So it is, it is, you know, his life is at an end. And, you know, he's, he had that guy. You, you hear this a lot, but Forrest J. Ackerman is a name that you might not know, but you certainly know his legacy because he was one of the first guys 
to, just like Gene Roddenberry, you know, one of the first guys to bring something that maybe, you know, now seems a, a little simple or maybe done in primary colors, but targeted an audience that never was being spoken to in that way before. Mainstream something that really was on the fringe and the periphery. So there you go. So uh, farewell to Forrest J. Ackerman. There's your snuff watch for Wednesday. All right, so, uh, well, now is the time in the program uh, when I want to make sure that, now, do you have, I guess I should have asked you before, do you have, like, a web page or a MySpace or a something? Or no, something? no, no, none of, none of such See, things. I am, uh, wander the street with a lamp like Diogenes just no, looking for looking you? No, not looking for or? a truthful man at all. No, that was what uh, Tim Riley did. Look where it got him. Uh. The Ministry of Truth, my eye. Come here, Tim. Here's some truth you can choke down on. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, it's, well, they, listen, I don't think, as far as I can tell, nobody, Nobody at CBS and higher ups are happy at all to have had to uh, to riff Tim. You, you uh, are right about there's, that. There's no there's no there's no you know justification for it other than you know you're burning furniture to survive it. Well, and and you know as we said a million times on Monday how rarely in radio you ever get to say goodbye never, ever never. ever you're ever. just you're just a vapor trail. And I think it's very hard for the audience more so than even for our egos as performers because as I was saying earlier in the show we were talking to I think Ethan uh, people become part of your life. Yeah. And and they become you know Sarah and Rick and, and, and Tim are a huge part of what's going on in your day. It's like the the, the three other people working with you at your workstation, right. and when all of a sudden one of them is gone and you have no explanation, and usually it is incumbent upon the host to ignore the elephant in the room sure. that that happened because you're going to get in trouble with management. Management has been great about that here. This, these are difficult times industry-wide. We heard about the layoffs at Yahoo. We heard about the layoffs at uh, was Office Depot today. And and uh, everywhere is doing this, and we're just seeing what's happening in the in the media industry. I am I am fortunate the wolf is not at my door. I am uh, I am a really a poor excuse for a gigolo. My wife makes a... a, a a, a, a decent living, and uh, and we've always tried to live beneath our means because we're in radio. Um, well, do you have a, is there do you have an email address? Do you want anything you want to give up? People want to get a hold of you, or it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, sure, Parker at ecstreet.com. Parker at ecstreet.com. Well, it's spelled out by the way. Easy. In all sincerity, my friend, you thank you for coming. It was fantastic. You were. Thank so, you so uh, much for coming on. Yeah, thank sure. you so much. Uh, Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen, God bless him. All right. Uh, we want to thank also CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, Ed McCarthy, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Tomorrow, Dennis Pitsenbarger, uh, Nickel Arcade, and Don Taylor, formerly of the Portland Tribune, will be joining us here. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom. Tom Parker on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next. <laughs> Michael Mara Show at 7. See you at 10 at, uh, for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. What's up for snakes? Bye now. Thanks.